This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? What's up is you need to threaten to leave more often. <laughs> we have, like, this is like a revolutionary night. This is. Because not only is it an off night, but like we're packing in the podcast because everyone's like, oh, Britton's leaving fine, right? <laughs> but I've got four of my best bros in the world in this room. That's the first thing. Second thing, I've already got the sweatshirt off. Because we got five guys in a little room. <laughs> There's five guys in there? It could get, oh yeah, this five, five guys. Oh, five guys. <laughs> Remember that? We had yeah. five guys. There's no five guys. But we got five guys in a little room. It might get hot. <clears throat> yes. It might get hot. We have the complaint department here in person. Yeah. Kingsley, forgive me. Kingsley are, I'm just trying to bring people, I'm, gi- I'm giving a time stamp for people. I Kingsley are the state champions of football, praise Absolutely. God. Yeah. yeah. And based and, off all technicalities, we got second. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's how it works. It is. <laughs> Everybody gets second if you don't get first. Yeah. Right. If you're not first, you're last. But you said Manistee played a part in that. Yeah, absolutely. We because of some poor decisions on my part, Kingsley was able to be successful and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, Kingsley maybe it's been different you stay. Hey, shout out Kingsley. Um they are goodness gracious, that's a good football team. And uh the uh, the boys are awesome. Love them. None of them listen to the podcast, so I'm not going to talk about them for very much longer, but uh the coaches. My goodness, I've never seen a team more well-ran, disciplined, fear-struck uh, than by Tim Moore, who by all accounts, and I'd say this to him, not a physically imposing human, but Mm-mm. mentally, dude is yeah. sharp. And uh, But he makes up for that in the physical opposing because he has Big Tom. Yeah. Who <laughs> strikes fear into Coach every Ward man. Don't play. No, no. Coach, Coach Ward don't play. Don't play. Coach so Ward shout out play. Kingsley. Thanks for holding it down for Northern Michigan. We appreciate you. Mm. And uh, it was not fun. <laughs> and you know what? No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to create controversy. Don't create uh, controversy. Go ahead, Adam. What's up? What? Introduce our guest, bro. Oh, you're supposed I'm to not introduce him. His brother's oh, introducing oh. him. This is your fault. This is Adam Sharp. Yeah. yeah. I'm, <laughs> here too. I'm here. I'm here. Um, uh, well, no, it's going to be, this is pretty cool. I think it's been a long time coming. Um, one of the reasons I'm part of the tab uh, is because I had a big brother who forced me to come to Northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, he gave me an opportunity to come <laughs> to Northern Michigan and then invited me to this church that he was coming to and uh, we wound up here. And so, yeah, it's an exciting night. We have the Uncle Bill Stone Uncle Bill. Uh, Uncle on Bill. the podcast tonight. So, uh, Bill, thank you yes. for being here. Up, Uncle Bill. I know you're excited about it. <laughs> I would thank you for having me, but uh, <laughs> I'd be lying. How'd you sleep thinking. last night? Not very well. <laughs> you guys know I don't look forward to things this like this. This is a man that is gifted. Uh, he's a gifted orator. Like, he can speak. He's spoken in a youth group. He's speaking in front of thousands, graduations. Mm. Uh man who's been on television. A man who could yeah. talk to anybody. He's a salesman His and not on television for, for being a bad boy. His nickname for a while was Hollywood. 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 Bill Stone. Hey, commercials. Hollywood, Bill Stone. But we're pumped. It was all hype. It was all <laughs> hype. <laughs> and, and you would think after all that that this would be easy. This would be <laughs> easy. But it's truly not. <laughs> oh, it's no. It's miserable. No. But no. we're grateful because uh, God's done an amazing thing in and through you. And uh, you're going to share. He's, what's he sharing? Yeah. Uh, His gonna... change life story up to now. Yeah. It is, it's not done yet. Ain't done yet. It's no. not done with me either. So. No, absolutely. So my favorite Bill Stone moment, I'm going to share mine All right. uh, to start the podcast oh, because boy. this was easily, this was when I knew, all right, I think I can move here. These guys are awesome. 
So I came up here to visit for my job interview and all those things, and I came to the firehouse. Um, I think it was still the fire. It might have been Foundry <laughs> at that point for a night. And so Martin's there doing just the most Martin energy ever, like wants me to meet every kid that's ever looked at the firehouse, all these things. And I'm like more introverted than I think he originally thought. At that point, Martin was questioning if I was even called to ministry, like all these things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bill, being – the self-aware person that he is sees a dude that's clearly uncomfortable, like all these. And so Bill just kind of makes a friend, but then Bill also, now that I know Bill, I knew Bill had ulterior motives this whole entire time. <laughs> of course he did. He's Bill, trying to sell you something. Bill's like, Hey man, you, uh, where are you staying? We get to, I'm like, yeah, I'm staying in the Vermilions. It's awesome. He goes, well, I'll take you home. So he takes me home to the Vermilions, drives me home. We don't tell him. I think, did you tell Martin you were taking me? No, no, didn't tell Martin. So Martin has no idea where I am. <laughs> then we get to the Vermilions and John's like, Oh, Bill, why'd you bring Britain home? Bill goes, this guy was just standing outside the firehouse. <laughs> Everybody left, and he was just stuck here. <laughs> so John's immediately mad at Martin because uh, he thinks course. Martin left me there. Martin, what's your problem, man? <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, I, can I would get never create this. turmoil intentionally. Never. Bill's an instigator. Yeah. Oh, man. We love you, Martin. Yes. Love Martin. Absolutely. Love uh, Uncle Bill. We so. love Bill. Yeah, change yeah. life stories. Um, for those of you listening, this is uh, the desire kind of behind this segment is um, just to spend some time uh, talking about where people have been, um, their story, um, how God has continued to to carry people throughout it, and ultimately how He's the one changing lives. And so, um, yeah, Bill, uh, welcome. I'm Thank sorry. You. <laughs> and, Thank you for uh, that too. You can take me to dinner afterwards, and we'll make up. But uh, sounds good. No. Um, so for you. Uh, where did it all start? Where are you from? Grow up? All that? Was born in Detroit. Um, my my mother and my father divorced when I was two years old, um, but grew up most of my childhood in the outskirts of Detroit um, in a lot of areas that uh, most people in this area would be afraid to go to, <laughs> but that was my life. That's, that's all I knew. Yeah. And, um, but... Grew up uh, with a mother who, you know, took me to church, and um, so I knew about God, and I was saved at a at a young age. Um, I knew who God was, and I believed in God, so um, we went to church often. We did the the Wednesday nights, the Thursday visitations, the Sunday morning, the Sunday night, all that good stuff that that Baptists do. Oh, dang. <laughs> Um, Uncle Bill's a Baptist, <laughs> but we moved a lot. I moved around a lot. I went to a lot of different schools and, and just had to, had to adapt. I won't, won't dive too much into, into my childhood, but, um, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the easiest. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I didn't have the best childhood, but, uh, but I made it through. Yeah. And, um, but just fast forwarding, um, into high school years, uh, went to high school in North Carolina uh, was really rebellious and um um i was i was gifted athletically but wasn't able to play on any of the sports teams because um well the grades the grades weren't there i was more interested in in proving um how tough i was and and stupid immature things like that and and i remember the them having a meeting, all the teachers, all the coaches, all the the principal, the counselors, everybody with my mother bringing her in a room, and uh, and I had to listen to all of them talk about all the potential I was wasting, and and it angered me. You know, I, I was mad about it. Like, who are they to tell me 
what to do. So if anything, it just it made mm. me rebel even more. <clears throat> but um, telling my mother, you know, he's one of the most athletic students ever to attend this school, and he's throwing it all the way. And um, but it didn't change me. You know, I, I still decided that I'm just going to be who I want to be, <clears throat> and um, ended up not finishing my last year of high school in North Carolina. Uh, the school didn't really want me, to be honest with you. And I moved back to Michigan because my cousin told me, hey, there's a school here. They'll let you in. And I'm like, they're not going to let me in. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they call the other school, they're going to say, we don't want anybody like that. But thankfully for me, this school was designed for immature mm. punks like me. It was full of gangbangers and people that got kicked out of their schools and things like that. And they, and they called it an alternative school. And so I went there and ended up uh, graduating high school, which, uh, to be honest with you, at that time, um, graduating high school in our family wasn't a foregone conclusion. Mm. Um, a lot of my family, my uncles, uh, my father, my, my mother, uh, none of them had high school diplomas. And, um, you know, to be honest, school and college and things like that, going to college was for rich people the way that I grew up. Yeah. That's just what you think where we, where we come from. Mm -hmm. And so that was never even a consideration. And then um, after I got out of high school, I ended up going to um, a gym and playing pickup basketball at University of Michigan. Knew somebody and got me in there and just playing pickup. And there was a coach, Perry Watson, that uh, went to that coach U of D. And he saw me playing. Hey, who's this, who's this guy? And... Um, he told me, he says, I would love for you to come play for UAD. The problem is, I told him my, my high school history, and he's like, you'll never be able to come to UAD. Based on that, he goes, but I can get you in at a junior college in Chicago. Play there for two years. You transfer. Come play for me at UAD. That was the plan. I had met a, a girl. That girl was going to come with me. Her parents were not happy <laughs> um, because at the time she was just my girlfriend. We were dating and um, she was going to move with me and I decided not to go because she had something um, with her family, a dynamic that was beautiful. And I says, I'm not going to tear that apart. So I decided not to go. So I, I didn't go. Um, but that, that girl has been my wife for 23 years now. Mm. So Melissa. So I think that was uh, proved to be a, a good decision. Yeah. But so my wife and I, we got married. And how old um, were you at that point? I was 22. Okay. When, so we, when we got married, I was 22. <clears throat> so in the course of like the coming through high school, um, coming to the alternative school in Michigan, all the way to 22, like what was because you grew up Christian Baptist Church at all the things. Like, where was, was God a part of any of that? Or was it just like, I'm good, I'm doing my thing now? Like, how was that kind of, what were your thoughts behind all that? When I was going through school, it was, it was, uh, it was just going through the motions. Hmm. Honestly, it was just, this is just what we do. Yeah. Uh, if I were to say that there was um, a genuine relationship with God at that time, I'd be lying. Um, that's just what we did. Right. That's just where you go, you know. Um, but then and, and to be honest with you, in some parts, I was embarrassed um, because sometimes um, I felt like my mom was too religious. 
um, based on the things that she would say. And, and so I, I was embarrassed by that. And um, looking back on it, then I wouldn't have said that. Right. But looking back on it now, it's just, it, it's true. I was. Yeah. And, um, but it never stopped her from, from, you know, taking us and, right. and she felt like she was doing the right thing and she was. Yeah. And then when I got married and then when we had kids, because I'd kind of gotten away from the church. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I, I didn't love what I saw from the church at that time. Hmm. Um, even at a young age, I could see that there was this, there was a clickiness, there was a judginess. There was, if you didn't wear this, if you didn't do this, then um, they questioned hmm. your salvation. And, but none of that to me seemed biblical. You couldn't point to a verse that showed me that a woman had to dress this way or a man had to to do these things or and and so it turned me off and I says I, I, don't, I don't agree with with that so I kind of when I graduated high school as a lot of people do I I walked away from the church yeah. um, when I had kids that's when I said you know what I need to get back in church so I still understood that it was important now for my kids mm-hmm. I wanted them to be raised yeah. up in that um, why do you think that was. Well, I, I mean, it's like the Bible says, you know, yeah. you, you raise them up and, and and when they get older, they, they won't stray away from it. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened with yeah. me. I knew what was right and what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted my kids to experience that. Yeah. Um, not necessarily in the way that I did, though. But you knew there was some good in there somewhere. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I knew, I knew that there was an importance um, that they had faith. Mm. Maybe yeah. not everything else that went along with with it that I agree with, but I knew the single most important thing was to, to get them, introduce them to God. Mm, that's good. Um, so we started going to church and, but for my kids, yeah, not for yeah. myself, not for <laughs> my wife, um, but for them. Was she cool with that? Was she like, oh yeah, let's go to church. Did she have a church? She did not grow like, up in the like church. Um, but she was all for whatever I wanted to do. She supported me. And um, when I introduced her to the church, um, she was all in right from the start. So she never gave me any any kickback or anything else like that. It's not We didn't have that battle, you know, yeah. like a lot of times you do with a couple that one's a Christian, one's not. Yeah. Um, right away, she was, okay, yeah, I'll check this out. And then and it was all good ever since then. And just to backtrack a second, because people are like brothers, like where, like you, you didn't grow up in the same house, you and Adam. We grew up in the same house. You did grow up in the same house. Um, my mother remarried. Oh, okay. Which is Adam's dad. Yeah. Gotcha. Who'd so you were in North Carolina too. Who, who yeah. would win in a fight? <clears throat> Me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try to go there. Stand the Stand the fifty. Now, now that is true. Adam's said for years, bro, there's going to be a point eventually where you just yeah. get so broke down that I'm I don't just care if you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. I'm going to fight you at that point. <laughs> but, but I'm we, eight years older than Adam. Okay. We were in Got the it. same house until, I mean, I was in elementary school, really, mm-hmm. when I left. When you left for your senior year. So, yep. Got it. So our, and that was our in North child Carolina. Childhood together. Yeah, North yeah. Carolina. And, yep. and, and just to fill in just some of the, I don't know, it's just interesting yeah. to me. When I first m- met you, um, very careful with your ver- or words. Uh, very well spoken. Um, you were the one who revealed to me that when you say, hey, I came from an alternative school, I grew up in Detroit and then other places or whatever, um, you said that like you talk like you're from the streets. Oh, absolutely. And that might have been part of 
even her family, like, who is this cat? You know? Oh, no doubt. Smooth talker. If my daughter would have walked guy. in with me. Yeah. No. <laughs> were you uh, one were of those you guys wearing? with your what pants you on wearing? the ground? Oh, my pants were sagging. Loves. Yeah. <laughs> Straight yeah. off eight mile. Yeah. I, I, did, <laughs> I did not speak like somebody from Buckley or Kingsley, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. And yeah. it took me um, oh, man, I need a picture. many years. He had the best haircuts, bro. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I need pictures. Hey, man, we're talking about serious <laughs> hey, stuff. First of all, don't, <laughs> don't bring, hey, don't bring up his hair, bro. That stuff is yeah. rare nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is... <laughs> Hair is at a premium right now. Yeah. Yeah. So hard like to come by. Island? Yeah. <laughs> so like some of those cultural things, like you go to a church, I'm assuming it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, was it a diverse church? Was it a pretty much vanilla yeah. church? And then you're just kind of like, I stick out here because you're more comfortable on the playground. You told me before you've been in a lot of fights and then you're talking about a bunch of guys with bouffant hairdos and suit coats. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, what is this? So we moved around a lot. So we went to a lot of different churches. Um, so it just depended on where we were and what area we were in. But um, but it was it was pretty diverse depending on where we were. Got it. Um, but a, a lot of the churches that w- that we went to were uh, just regular Baptist churches where it was uh, pretty, pretty uh, small churches. A lot of, usually, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, real small churches. Like, yeah. yeah. So, but when we decided to take our kids to church, uh, it was non-denominational church. It was a lot like the tab, mm. uh, but probably in Detroit, but times five. Okay. So oh yeah, that's right. You outside, said it was a mega church, church. Yeah, yeah, it was a big right. church, yeah, real yeah. big church. But um, but it was so new and fresh, and I remember people from my old church saying, "Oh yeah, I hear you. I hear you're playing church." Uh, <laughs> a little judgment. It, well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, that's the exact reason why I don't go to the new age. The new wave, new wave, new wave. So how long were you there? You guys, the stepbrothers need to calm down. No, because Benjamin's going to stop o'clock. this. He doesn't like it when four people are talking at once. Hey, it's He's six o'clock. Tell you. Guess if what? anybody sings, it's guess over. Guess what, podcast family? It's our podcast, and we're going to do <laughs> and, whatever we want. <laughs> and I accidentally had caffeine today. <laughs> Not great, Marv. Uh, yeah. So Sorry. anyways, you're growing up in this church. At what point do you uh, start becoming very successful in what you're like in life, like mm. job, occupation, those types of things? So we had built a brand new home downstate. Um, everything was was going well, um, but our kids were being raised by the school. Um, I worked long hours. My wife worked, and you know she started at like noon. She was a hairdresser. She was a beautician. Worked in a salon, and so she wouldn't get off till eight nine o'clock at night. And I would work till sometimes six, sometimes seven, sometimes sometimes eight. I didn't have set hours. And, um, cause I traveled around and I told her, I says, our, our children are being raised by the school. And, and even then things were starting to happen, uh, where I just didn't want that. Hmm. And, um, I had an opportunity to move to Traverse city because we were opening up an office. Our work was, and the owner asked me if I'd be willing to relocate. And I says, well, I love Northern Michigan. Uh, I would love to, but I have a wife to consider. And at this time, we lived in a social neighborhood. She had a social job. And moving to northern Michigan, I mean, it's like culture shock. It's just completely different. I loved the idea of it, but she had to be on board. And, again, she trusted me. She says, uh, you know, all my family, all my friends are down here. Um, My job is here. But if you think this is what's best for our family, I support you. And that's 
what we did. We re- relocated. And so we moved up to Traverse City and we opened up that office. And, um, and it was tough initially because we moved out into the middle of nowhere. How long were you guys into marriage at this point? Um, Brittany would ask something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Timelines are important. Um, let me think here. So it was 10 years now. ago. So we had been married like 12, 13 okay. years. Sweet. So you've been doing it for a minute. Right. It wasn't like you were two, three years in switching nope. it up. Okay. Nope. Yeah. So, but, so tough. but it was tough because we moved out into middle of nowhere and my wife now is a stay at home mom, which was the plan. She commutes our children um, to Kingsley schools. We lived in Mesick. So, uh, you know, it was about a 20, 25 minute commute. But the, the problem was, you know, I get to go out all day long and I'm dealing with people and I'm talking to people and for my job. And then I come home where she hasn't had conversation with an adult all day. (laughs) I've done nothing but have conversations with adults all day. And so she's, she, longs to have conversation and I'm like, I'm talked out. So, you know, trying to find that balance early on, it, it was, it was a challenge. And to go from downstate to Mesick, Michigan. Like, Me, and, <laughs> and like I said, we were in the middle of nowhere. Was that the house you guys were in when I moved here? Mm-hmm. So yeah, middle of nowhere. Middle yeah. of nowhere. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, awesome. But everything I ever, ever right. wanted, you know, it was my hunting property. It was the house that, that I said, I'm going to die in this home. Mm-hmm. Like this is everything I've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean it was it was going good, but it was tough. It was hard. It was a tough because we did not know a single person when we moved up here, and then and then somebody from downstate moved up here, and and we knew, yeah. so we knew one person. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, it it was like starting all over again. So um, coming out of the, you guys were going to a non denominational church. I think I remember you telling me like, you guys were involved there, like doing things right. Like, mm-hmm. and so was that a hard like transition now coming back to like small town where we can like was church a priority during that move like what was kind of the what what was the thoughts around like christ and trying to continue having your kids in church and stuff like that with that yeah still wanted that so as soon as we got up here that was a priority we need to find a church and when we first came up we rented a house um over in honor we actually went to west side for a for about a year um and then when we bought that Mesick home obviously that was going to be a, a pretty whole, lengthy yeah. and we did it until we came across till we stumbled upon little old tab what a great description of how people find the tabernacle stumbled, stumbled yeah. on yeah. Trip. what is this doing here yeah, yeah. 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 somebody needs to pick that up yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you initially you have to remember i came from um this mega church mm-hmm. if you will and, and and i wasn't necessarily looking for that again right but came to the tab, and at that time it was still still T one T one yeah tiny yeah. little old building yeah and when Put I together. walked in it took me back to my Baptist days mm. smaller church I'm like oh, what do we got here <laughs> <laughs> I'm like and I'm I'm and that guys th- wear a suit I'm out of here yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking through the door thinking well we gave it a try <laughs> you know what I mean before yeah. it even yeah. started yeah. right and immediately when it started um. You know, at the time, I, I believe, I think it was Chris mm-hmm. Emery Chris walked Emery. up on stage. He said, what up, Tabernacle? And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I got the point. And I says, all right, we're, we're going to give this a shot. Yeah. And uh, and honestly, um, 
we loved it, mm. you know, and I loved it. And, uh, and everything that all my experiences were all good ones. And, um, John preached and, um, even in spite of that, we stayed. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I, I was waiting for that. But yeah, everybody else was great. Yeah. 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 That tab family is a Bill Stone, I love you. Uh, yeah. That is actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, love it. So, but no, we, we, we started coming to the tab and it, and it, and it quickly became our church home. So was, was that feeling mutual for uh, Melissa and the kids too of like, yeah, this is the place we want to be coming from West Side? And like having that experience and just sw- like, were they all on board like you were with like, yeah, this is a, this is a cool place to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think so. Um, like I said, it, you know, my wife honestly has always been, Hey, you're the man of the home. We're going to follow you. I'm going to support you. And, um, she's a little more on the, on the, on the shy side. Um, so it just takes her longer to, you know, get in relationships and talk to people to where I'm a little more outspoken, but, but I'll be honest, uh, that, you know, I was still, I kept the church at arm's length, mm. you know, um, I remember even talking to John a couple of times and, um, you know, and the, you know, him looking at me like, what's up with this guy? Yeah. You know, that's, that's exactly what was going on inside. Yeah. Cause what I saw was this really cool couple had two beautiful kids and, uh, despite my best efforts, and I've been known to talk, <laughs> I've been known to break down some walls. I mean, I can't sell ketchup popsicles like Bill can on the sales thing, but uh, you're very good. Like when you decide, nope, hmm. it's going to, and I'm, and that's not bad. It's just stay, you know, right there. So I'd try about once a year. <laughs> I think about maybe once or twice. I mean, you were always friendly. I mean, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not being that guy, mm-hmm. but it was, it was obvious that this guy works long hours and he's doing everything he can to bring his family here. And that for right now is going to have to be good enough. Yeah. yeah I'm curious too. Cause that's a bunny trail I'd love to run down. It's like that idea of keeping church at arm's distance. Like, man, we like this place. We're going to, we're going to come as regularly as we can, but you know, let's not, let's not take that. Let's not take the full plunge. So like, what was your, if you remember, um, like what was the thought process behind that? Or maybe was there something maybe from your past? Cause I think there's so many people today that that's how they live in church world is kind of that we'll show up, but you just stay over there and we'll stay over here. Kind of middle school dance, if you will. Um, so what kind of, what, what was the thought process behind that? If you remember? Yeah. So I remember, um, Again, thinking, you know, the people are, are great. Um, they seem genuine. Mm. But when you only know somebody for an hour a week, uh, it's, it's hard to trust mm. that because anybody can put on a show for an hour a week. And, um, and again, a lot of my upbringing, I've naturally always put up walls to protect myself, and I was definitely going to do that for my family. Mm. And sometimes to a fault, a lot of times to a fault, actually. Um, but I, I didn't want them to be involved in something that I, that I didn't completely trust yet. So, you know, I, I would come, uh, I would attend, but then right after we're out, we're not getting involved. We're, I, I need more time. Yeah. I, need, I, need to, I need to wait for me to expose these people. Right. Yeah. That's so what I expect. I'll find them out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me stay here long enough. I'm going to see something, find out something and, and figure out that 
they're frauds. Yeah. And, um, and the more we came, uh, the more comfortable I got. And I, I started to let the, the guard down a little bit. And I do, I, I remember, uh, John making those efforts and I knew he was making those efforts, um, to speak with us and kind of break down those walls a little bit. Yeah. But still I'm looking at him like, yeah, we'll see guy. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but no, my, my kids, um, they enjoyed it. They liked it. My wife, again, she was just going to be wherever I was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at, at that time we just attended. Yeah. We did not get involved. We didn't, we didn't serve or anything else like that. And when did Adam show? Like when did Adam join you in Northern Michigan? Was it during that time, before that time? When did he decide he wanted to be like you when he grew up? T2 had been built. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say right. it was a little later. Yeah. It hadn't yep. been built for long, but it was the building. You guys were in the, the new building when, when I started coming here. So, Because I can, I can remember the last attempt. And I don't want to make this like you're some kind of project. I, I got tons of projects that are coming in and out of the radar. But this was definitely one that had been here. It's like there's part of me thinking – at any point, this mysterious family is just going to disappear. Um, and so I keep making the attempt. And part of it was like, why are they even here? Mm. Not in a bad way. It, it's just like, hmm, there's something here. Either incredibly introverted, which I found out with you is not true, but you had the wall, more so with your wife. But um, what I recall is a year where um, this new kid, relatively new to the youth group scene, Got involved in Caden. Caden's super involved. That's your oldest son, mm-hmm. uh, your only son, and um, super involved. And if I remember correctly, there was like a women's retreat in the spring of that year, and we're in T2, and I may or may not have seen you yet. I probably retreat. avoided you because I thought <laughs> you wanted to retreat. kill me. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But it, there was a big push to get women to go to the women's retreat. And I came up because your son – was serving. He was like an usher, I think. Um, He was over by the cafe and we had a cool little convo just chucking and jiving to him and some other Kingsley kids. And uh, um, in fact, it was with another Caden. It was Caden Patterson was standing Mm -hmm. standing right there because I can see the picture in my head. And I'm like, all right, I'm going for it. And it was like, hey, what do you think about your wife going to women's retreat? Because they were asking me to help push for it. And it was kind of like, I don't know, some BS answer. <laughs> yeah, we'll think about that. And I'm like, nope, not even close. <laughs> not going to happen. This is where you mm-hmm. sucker into the cult. Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. Exactly. And then I don't remember if it was, or I, I thought it was that summer that Kaden was baptized. It was either that, yeah, it, 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 was, it was that August, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or was it the August before? No, I, I think it was the August before. Okay. Gotcha. So he'd been baptized, then he's super involved in student men, then he's an usher, and then that was like the summer before all hell broke loose, Mm -hmm. or the spring before. Mm -hmm. That's when it was like, I remember, and I made a mental note right then. All right, it's not going to work trying to get her to the women's retreat. The last resort, when Johnny V holds a fight club, invitation only, I'm going after that guy. Some about Bill Stone said it needs to be exclusive. <laughs> it needs to be mano y mano. So yeah. I I knew I wasn't starting that till next fall, but I made a note, wrote it down. All right, I'm going after that guy, Bill Stone. Mm. Sorry, just filling that gap. Yeah, and honestly, um, when Caden started serving, 
And then my wife decided she was going to start working at the cafe, her oh, and my right. daughter. Yeah, that's right. And But Caden was the catalyst for all that because Caden was like, I, I want to do something. I want to serve. And I'm like, what? And then I immediately felt horrible about myself <laughs> because here I am is I'm the, the leader of the family. I'm taking my, my family to church every week. And then all of a sudden my son's the one that steps up and says, Hey, I want to serve. And well, then I can't let him serve and I don't serve. I look even worse. Horrible, but proud. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cause it was yeah. his own initiative. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you little punk, <laughs> but I was, but I was proud. Yeah. And then, yeah. so that's when we all decided to, to get involved and, um, and usher and, and thing. But, he, but he was the first one that, that jumped that's on right. board and, and then he was friends with, uh, Caden Patterson. Uh, and, and so that helped because he had somebody else to serve with, which yeah. was really cool. Hmm. And, uh, and there's, you know, you said you have that, that mental image, and I actually have a picture of those two standing mm-hmm. by the doors yep. uh, serving mm-hmm. together, which is, which, is, which is cool to see, you know, two right. young guys that are, that are out there doing it, um, you know, for the right reason. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, then at that time, my, my whole family was newly serving at the tap. And Caden's 14 at the time. Ariana, beautiful daughter, she's uh, 12 at the time? She's 13. Oh, she was 13. So they're 14 and 13 Mm -hmm. and life is going good, thriving at Kingsley schools. Mm -hmm. She's making the long commute. You're killing it at work. Mm -hmm. You got your brother moved up here. You built, you know, or we're building a dream home as well or whatever. We we just moved to Kingsley. Yeah. 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 And so you had your family, you're starting to make some friends. Church is good. Life is good. Yeah. And all sense and purposes. I mean, everything was... Picture perfect, mm. you know, the all-American dream, you know, and, uh, yeah, and then it wasn't, you know, and, um, major, major tragedy in our life, and, uh, I know many people know the story, some don't, but, uh, I remember the day like it was yesterday, um, Adam and I went golfing, kind of became, a a tradition on Labor Day that we, we go golf, uh, come home, everything's fine, normal. Adam goes home and, uh, my wife and my son are having a conversation and he's, you know, he's taking honors classes and, and things like that. And there's a, there's a book that he's supposed to read. And, and I, again, I can remember like it, it was, it was just happened. And he says, uh, he goes, I didn't read it. I don't need to read it. He goes, I, I looked over it. I can answer every question in that book. And uh, my wife says, well, you know, Caden, you, you need to take this seriously. You know, if you, you know, you want these honors classes and um, then, then you need to do what they're asking of you. You need to read that book before you start school tomorrow. And he goes, I don't need to. I know everything that's in that book. I will answer any question that you have about that book. And she goes, well, give me your phone. And when you get done reading the book, uh, we'll give you your phone back. And, um, you know, Caden was never a, a yeller or a screamer or anything else like that. He, he was too smart for that. He, he was, he knew yelling at, at mom or, well, he, he'd get mouthy with mom. Um, and there were gray, there was a gray area there where, and he would, you know, meander through there, uh, with dad, it was very black and white and he knew it and he wasn't going to cross that line. Um, and not because he, he feared me, but because there was a respect level and he, and he knew if he was going to get what he wanted, 
you don't yell at dad. So no yelling, no anything. And he says, well, you know, I, I just don't know why you just don't let me um, live my life and make my own decisions. And uh, my wife and I ran to the store and uh, we were on our way back. And um, we're driving down our driveway and in the woods and uh, literally 30 seconds from home and my wife's phone rings. And um, it's my daughter. And uh, can't understand a word she's saying. And uh, I said, baby girl, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm coming. And uh, never in my wildest dreams would I have ever expected to walk into what I walked into. And uh, my daughter's laying on the floor crying, just pointing upstairs. And uh, I still have no idea what's going on. And I, and I, I run up there and, and there's my son laying on the floor with a gunshot through his head. I see my pistol laying there on the floor. And, and all this, I mean, it's, it's amazing the power of the brain, how it can process so much so quickly in just, in just a second. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what happened and why. And, and I immediately know I see my pistol laying on the floor three feet away from him. I look on the corner of a bed and I see a, a letter rolled up in, in a cross that he, he usually always has around his neck. And, um, and he's pinned up against the wall and he's basically drowning on his own blood. And I pull him away and try to keep him breathing and I'm, and I'm pleading with him to fight for his life. And um, that day haunts me. Um, those images of, for myself and my wife and my daughter at 13 years old, she's the one who heard the gunshot and found him in his home alone when that happens. But um, obviously my son didn't make it. And uh, there's so much about that. It's, it's crazy all the details that I can remember about that day and uh, even the smell of gunpowder in the room when I went up there. But uh, my wife called 911 and, you know, it felt like an eternity. Uh, and when you live out in the middle of nowhere, it's, you know, it's a half hour for them to get out there. And for a half hour, I'm trying to keep him alive. And um, EMS gets there and they take over. And I remember I go downstairs and I go in the bathroom and I'm throwing up and I mean, I'm just, it was so surreal. Like I've, I've never experienced, like when people say something surreal. They don't uh, know what they're talking about. You, you, in that moment, I realized this is like, like this, this has to be a bad dream. This cannot be real. And I'm, 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 son, why, why did you do this? Why did you do this? Why did you do this? I love you. I love you. I love you. And then you're questioning yourself. As a father, how could something like this happen to my son? The number one priority in my life. And so you feel like a failure in that moment. But the EMS takes him. My wife rides with him. And um, then I have to talk to police and I have to do reports and they have to and um, ask, answer a bunch of questions and um and I remember walking outside, 
And uh, I remember the phone call I made. And I called Adam. And uh, said, hey, bro. Caden just shot himself. And, uh, and then Adam came over and he took me to the hospital. And I remember being in the hospital. And, and uh, the doctor saying, there's nothing we can do. And he was so cold, so cold about it. It was bizarre to me how somebody could be that cold. But I guess when you see that all the time, and, but look, for him it was just another day. And he walked in, he says, yeah, there's just too much damage. There's nothing we can do. Just as a matter of fact. And um, not, not that it would have made it any easier, but, um, you know, I just remember thinking, wow, well, I can see you have a lot of compassion, you know. And, um, but being in the room when, when Caden took his last breath, man, it was, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Worst day of my life. And, um, I remember every phone call that I made. I remember the responses on the other end of the line. Um, they're haunting, honestly. I remember having to walk back out. And I remember Adam on the way there saying, man, he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And I think he truly believed that. And when I walked back out there and told him, he wasn't fine. He didn't make it. So to fill in something to get a minute is um, the little that I know since was that Caden Stone was an All-American kid. Good grades, good athlete, well-liked, uh, almost too smart for his own good, loved to, loved to share his faith. Love to, um, if you're at the funeral or if you've heard any of the news things, love to argue about faith with his principal who didn't have the right political beliefs for Caden, but mm -hmm. more importantly, didn't have the right beliefs about God and would regularly look for opportunities to be in the principal's office, not for the reasons that his father had been in school, but for him just to go sit and study and maybe I can, in, in, in a sly way, just get in a combo. Uh, love to try other languages like I believe Russian, Russian mm -hmm, yeah. Mandarin, Chinese, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. brilliant kid by all intents and purposes. And, and even what you said on this podcast um, was really the first member of Family Stone at this church to go, I'm going to serve and, and kind of led his, his mom and his sister and his dad into kind of doing the same thing. So when, when, when you hear shock and awe, it was out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Shock, like you were clueless that there was anything going on, that there was any sort of um, indication mm -hmm. that he would ever do such a thing. And it's just complete and utter devastation. Yeah. So I, I was just uncertain that just, you just, so yeah. a bro could gather himself, man, because I can't imagine how hard this is. It's hard enough to hear. Mm. Yeah. But there's a lot there that you talked about. And, um, you know, Caden um, was a rare breed. Honestly, he, he, it's not often that you find someone that has common sense smarts and just academically gifted. And he had both. And um, straight A student, good athlete, good looking kid, 
um, freshman on the high school debate team, you know, could speak Russian, some Arabic, spoke Spanish, was taken German. And I, I remember how all that started was when he was, you know, probably like nine or 10 years old and we were out somewhere at a store and there were people around us that were speaking in another language. Caden says, Dad, what are they saying? I don't know, buddy. Looked at me almost like dumbfounded. Like, why don't you know? <laughs> like, I don't speak that language. He goes, well, why don't you speak that language? I speak Detroit. <laughs> I says, I don't know. I never learned it. And then, you know, that just it, it sparked something within him to where he was like, you know what? I want to know what people are saying when I'm around them. And so on his own, you know, he took Spanish in school, but on his own, he started teaching himself um, Russian and Arabic and, and these other languages. And, um, you know, to the point where he would do it around the house and he thought he was Mr. Funny Man. <laughs> He'd come by me and just drop one word of something. I don't know what he said. And I just look at him like, man, what do you, you better hope I don't find out what you're saying. <laughs> You know, because I know him, uh, you know. He was he was so intrigued by their cultures. He um, was. I, yep. I remember when I was deployed and there'd be a couple of times where I'd have uh, like the ability to like FaceTime or something and he would want me to just walk him around like the base cool. and, and just see it. And I don't know why I remember that so clearly, but mm -hmm. um, I remember going up on, he wanted me to go up on the roof of a building and just point the camera out so he could see That's cool. what it looked like in the Middle East and yeah. But I remember at a young age, I mean, he was a researcher. He, he, he never took anybody for their word. He had, he had to look it up and find out for himself. And, uh, and especially from me. And I remember telling the story even at his funeral, um, even about his faith. Um, he, he decided when, you know, he was 12 that he was going to research this God thing. You know, yeah, people are telling me about this and, and dad's taking me and telling me this is what I should be believing. He goes, but I'm going to, I'm going to look this up on my own. And he did like a three month study at 12 years old. And he come to me one day and he's like, dad, how can anybody not believe in God? Where's this come from? I don't know, buddy. I do. And he says, I've been researching this for three months. He goes, do you know that most of the atheists that set out to prove that God didn't exist, become Christians. And I says, well, I, I think I had heard something like that, but I didn't know that. No, he goes, it's true. He goes, um, you know, I've been researching this for, for three months. And did you know that it's been scientifically proven that Jesus exists, existed? And I says, I think I'd heard something like that too, but I've never done the research myself. <laughs> and I was almost kind of embarrassed, you know, and uh, he goes, yeah, God's real. And from that day on, he, he was a changed, I was going to say man, but he's, he was a kid. But I mean, he mentally, he was like a grown man. Yeah. And Caden wore his faith far better than his father ever did at that point. And, uh, he started getting those necklaces from the tab, yeah. and he had many of them, and he wore it around his neck nonstop. And I remember even when he got baptized, he changed yeah. out his regular one. He didn't want to get it wet. <laughs> and he got the one we got him. And he put a, the other one around his neck. And, um, but it was really cool to see because he was not 
ashamed like I was when I was his age. Um, and the difference was he had discovered something. He had discovered a relationship with God uh, to where I just knew he was, that he existed. Mm. And there is truly a difference. And um, I've since come to understand that um, through this tragedy, that there, there is a difference between knowing God because your people say, oh, I believe in God. And obviously, well, so does Satan. How, how, how am I any different? And through all of this, my, my relationship with God now, there's, there's something there that was never there before, mm. and it's emotion. Mm. You can know someone and have no emotional attachment. But when I, when I knew it was real is when there, were, there was real emotion. You think about the people in your, in your life that you love there's emotion. You should be moved by that relationship. If there's no relationship, if there's no emotion in your relationship, then how strong is it? That's good. Yeah. That's directly related to you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Soul is mm-hmm. the seed of that emotion. Yeah. yeah. And I had never understood, you know, the, the head to the heart thing. Yeah. Until I experienced it. And... um but when I look back on it, um, you know, m- my son wore it so well. He, he spoke about it in school. He spoke about it um, at work. You know, he worked at Taco Bell for, for you know, three or four months. During the, he had just turned 14 years old and they hired him and they absolutely loved him there. You know, I kind of knew the, the manager in there because I frequented <laughs> Taco Bell. That was my spot. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And she hired him, and uh, I remember when he put his notice in because he was getting ready to start sports. Summer was over. He was getting ready to start honors classes, the debate team, and he told them, he's like, I, I can't, I've got too much going on. And she told me, she's like, Bill, I want to keep him over the 25, 27-year-olds that we have here. Like, he's great. He's so motivated. Like, he just, he's a go-getter. And, um, but he would share his faith there yeah. um, at school. And I've had, it was really cool not too long ago. I think I even sent you guys a text about it where I was at a restaurant and there was a waitress that came up to me and I was with somebody else. And this has got to be extremely hard for her to do because I'm, I'm sitting with somebody else that she doesn't know. She barely knows me. She knows who I am. But she comes up to me. She says, um, I just want to share with you that. Caden is the reason why I have the faith that I have today. And uh, it wrecked me. It wrecked me in a good way. And, uh, because, and I thought to myself, man, I, I hope someday that somebody could say that about me. And, um, but he, he wore his faith so well. And, um, and I looked up to him, you know, for that i'd like i i and but i i didn't appreciate it until after he was gone mm-hmm. and I, I didn't notice it at the time because caden was so private and um he wouldn't he wouldn't talk about things. even if it was wonderful things that he was doing he wouldn't talk about it and um i remember one time we were in church and he was working at taco bell and the this is when we passed plates for offering and the plate's coming, and I see Caden, 
and he's in his pocket. He's in his wallet. He opens up, opens up his wallet, and he's and he's trying to do it private on the side, so I wouldn't even see him. Like he didn't even want me to see. And uh, and I pretend like I don't see him. And then after church, uh, and yeah, I remember I, he slipped forty bucks in there. And for fourteen year old kid, I mean, that forty bucks is a lot of, especially Caden. He's yeah. a tightwad. Caden saved every penny. If something cost a dollar and I wasn't going to buy it for him, he wouldn't get it. Yeah. Like he saved every penny. He knew what he was saving for too. Yep. Yeah. He, he always knew what he was saving for. And he put that $40 in the plate and, and I, you know, I put something too, John. Was it a gross or not? I had to at least beat his. You yeah. know? <laughs> 41. 4101. Yeah. yeah. But, and I remember I said something to him after I says, Hey, I, I saw what you did, man. I'm proud of you. He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know what I'm talking about? I says, what, what made you do that? He goes, it's between me and God. <laughs> I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. You that win. Is, that is my son. <laughs> but I think about stuff like that, man. And I'm so proud of him for that. Like, because he, he didn't, it wasn't for show. Like he didn't even want his father to know. He's like, that's between me and God, mm-hmm. and and something like that is is so cool because I know he he genuinely had a a real relationship um, with God, mm-hmm. and uh, which now I'm so thankful for, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> you know, but it's uh it's been a, the the catalyst for a lot of things that that have happened in in, in my life in the past you know five years. Yeah. So if we go back to that, I don't, I don't want to dredge at all, but um, back to the moment, you're in living hell, and I assume your wife was gone, daughter, at your house by this time, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, she was, and then uh, I had called Samantha and told her, and we had her bring Ariana up. To the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. To say goodbye. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so we all said our goodbyes. And then, <clears throat> like you said, it's weird that, like, I can remember every detail. They stuck us in a, like, a side room. Um, and I remember uh, Melissa's parents getting there and, tell, you know, telling them. And um, actually, we didn't even have to say anything. They just, like, they knew uh, something was wrong when they got there. And, but one of the weird things that I remember is we're sitting in there and then, I don't remember, I don't know how long we've been there because time, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I just remember you, Bill, going, well, I guess we have to go home. Because we're all just sitting there. Like, I don't think any of us knew what to do. No, right? there's no playbook. Like, yeah. And uh, so we all ended up going back to my, to my house. Um, but yeah, so that was like from the hospital. And then we all did end up at, at my house for a little while. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't know what all phone calls you're making. I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. I have no idea how anyone at the tab knew because I was actually, I it was know. Labor Day and I'm driving home from being with my family and uh, I get a phone call from the legend John Williams mm-hmm. and he tells me what's up. And um, I said, I'll be home in an hour. He goes, all right, I'll be at your house in an hour and 10. And uh, so I, I don't know if word was just spreading like wildfire through Kingsley and, and through Buckley or if I, I don't even know if somebody called the church, but yeah, somehow John I, Williams knew. 
so I had texted a, a couple of people um, that I think Amanda Patterson was one of them because Caden and Caden yeah. were friends. That's right. So that would have been it. She was on That's the, right. Yeah. And yeah. She, yeah. I knew she was on staff and I had asked her if there was any way she could reach out um, about doing the funeral at the tab. Yeah. And, um, but after Caden passed that night, because you ended up coming over to the house and we were there. To your house. To my house. Yeah. yeah. We didn't know where you guys were. And I told um, Adam and my father-in-law that um, I had to go back home. And um, I had a mess to clean up. And I remember Adam saying, bro, you don't have to do that. Like we can, we can hire somebody to do it. And I says, no, I, I tried hard. <laughs> I need to do it for myself. And, uh, it, it wouldn't be closure, but I just, that was my son. And I felt like I needed to do that. And, uh, not something that was easy to do, not something that was fun to do, but, um, in a way, I just wanted to go back to where it was, where it all happened. As, as crazy as that sounds, it seems like you'd want to stay away from that. But um, for me, I just needed to go back there. And um, so we went back, and we were cleaning the mess. And um, and then that's when you and John Williams showed up at the house. Um, and we sat and talked a while, and... Uh, but again, at that point, it was still just, it hadn't set in. You know what I mean? It, it, it takes time for that to, to be real. Oh, you guys were, mm -hmm. you know, it's weird you talk about pictures that you have in your mind. I remember you came to the door and you were right behind him. And it just pain wrecked. But you had that stone face that you have right now that the Adam sharp is he mad at me uh, you know um but what i remember is just putting out my hands like i was gonna hug you and uh because i didn't know what else to do i didn't even know if you're a hugger but your words to me were um john i think i still have blood on my hands mm -hmm. and i couldn't bail then it's like i don't care you know but that was the first time that I sat with you two brothers and probably said nothing of value, but it was just to be there. Like we were interrupting. We, it, it was, you know, I think from there we actually, you know, we had a little chat and talked about, you know, what do you need? How can we help? How can we love you and the whole deal? And then I don't know if you know, but then we drove to, or drove to your house mm -hmm. and we're on, you know, a little app trying to find addresses and, and, and we also went to go see um, Melissa at, at your home. Mm -hmm. But is, is all that like a fog for you at that point? Does it start to get, or, or is it still? No, I remember clear? all, I don't remember our conversation. Me neither. But I, re I remember you showing up. I just remember pain. Mm -hmm. I, I actually remember most of the conversation. Mm. I do. Was it coherent on either of our part? Cause I didn't know. Did yeah, it? it was. Um, and I think I remember it cause I was, I think my mindset was I got to protect my brother and I didn't, know you to trust you i mean i knew you were the preacher but you are the yeah our, what's that mean yeah i passed before i'm like okay you're a preacher but i don't care um and so i think i was so intently listening to what you were saying because i 
I mean, I don't know if I was going to have to bury out back or something. You know? um, <laughs> Can't expect but, any less, brother. But I, she still has. A but bio. I think I, because I was I was guarded. <laughs> yeah. Um, guarding me and, and him, and um, so I do remember some of the conversation mm. and uh, that you and and J Dub talked and the, about. And 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 the crazy thing is that day because I do a lot of thinking while I'm driving. We're driving back from Indiana. Mm-hmm. You're on my mind. You are on my mind. Not not a weird way, but it was like, I'm about to start this fight club up. And so I'm going through this list of names of dudes. And Bill Stone was on that list, which was so crazy when I got a phone call. Hmm. And I don't know if I said anything about that. I was like, man, I was just thinking about you today. How crazy is that? Labor Day. But I also remember the next, was it three days? Three, four days? Um, meeting with you, meet, meeting with Melissa. No one wants to do that, the whole process, the where we're going to do that, what's it going to look like. Sitting one time and you saying, I need to speak at this funeral. And uh, um, it was incredibly painful. I'm just trying to fill in some of the gaps here, man. Mm. Um, it felt like all of northern Michigan was there. We could have had it in a gym. And for a minute, it was like, do we have it in a gym? Do we have it in a church? You know, there was uh, if we have it in the church, then all our memories are going to be associated with this church. Um, but it was a packed house, bunch of people, students out our ears, um, cause he was a popular kid. Mm-hmm. The, and I remember <clears throat> the decision to have it at the church. Cause I remember you talking about this. I think you had said this was his church. Cause when we just talked about how involved he was. And so I think that was part of the driving factor of like, no, we're going to have it here. Mm-hmm. because this was Caden's church. We knew Caden, and I don't mean this in any bad way. We have the friendship now. I can say this. We knew Caden better than anyone else in that family mm-hmm. because of this stuff you've already said, mm-hmm. that he was leading. This was, it was his faith. He was on our, he was on the faith trail, the whole deal. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. At, uh, <clears throat> at his, at his funeral, um, you know, when, when uh, the principal spoke and, um, you know, talked about how him and Caden were political foes and a cool story behind that uh, a lot of people may not know is uh, Caden used to invite him to church all the time and he, and he told him his words, Caden, I will never go to your church. And not only did he go to the church, but he, he stood up and spoke yeah. <laughs> in yeah. that church. Um, so which is, for me, it's just kind of a, kind of a God thing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, we'll see about that, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, speaking at, at, at his funeral was, as anybody could imagine, was at that point, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I, but I knew I had to, I knew I needed to. And in part, it was because there were so many people that were asking questions, uh, Caden, why did you do this, uh, Caden, why didn't you tell somebody? And at that time, I had only read about a half page of his letter because they took it. They took everything. They took his cross. They took the letter. They took everything. I had only read a half page. So at his funeral, I actually said that Caden wasn't suffering from some great depression because at that point in the letter, he didn't mention anything about that. All he had talked about is we were holding him back. He wanted to make his own decisions. Now he's making his own decision. So that first half page is what I went off of. Well, when we finally got that letter back, 
uh, he did talk about, and he was very specific. He said, I've been struggling with depression for two and a half years. And, um, and to not know that as, as, as a parent, as a, as a father, um, it's a hard, that's a tough pill to swallow to know that my son was hurting that much for two and a half years. And, um, I never knew I needed to talk to him about it, but I've struggled with the same thing my almost my entire life. But I hit it too. Um, it wasn't until after he passed that I talked about it. My struggle with anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide. Um, if you'd asked me when I was 15 years old if I would make it to be 45 years old, I would have told you there's no way. There's no way I'm fighting through this pain for that long. But it helped me understand why Caden did what he did. And when you're in that kind of pain, there's nothing that seems off limits to remove you from it. And I understand that now. And, um, but, he, but he, he hit it so well, and it rocked the community because, it, I mean, everybody thought Caden was going to go on and just do amazing things in this world. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, it, he loved politics, and he loved um, studying cultures and all that kind of stuff, and he had uh, aspirations of being a, a um, translator for the government. I mean, he wanted to be involved in the government one way or another to make a difference. And he saw the direction of, of politics and how it was going. And, and man, he was, he knew his stuff and he wasn't afraid to talk about it along with his faith. Cause that's where, that's where it all starts. Mm-hmm. And, um, but to read that letter, it hurt, you know, and, um, when your son chooses to do that to himself and it wasn't an accident, it's, there's a level of guilt that hurts just as much as the loss, and um, and they just compound, and it's and it's overwhelming. And um, so when I when I spoke at his funeral, I was I was talking about the reasons why he did what he did, and he just got caught up in a moment. And but it, it but there was more to it than that. I just didn't realize it at the time until I got to read the letter. Depression is a thing <clears throat> for a tab family. I mean, people can get depressed because they're having a bad day. And then there's depression, which is a disease, and it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so many people struggle with it to different degrees. Yeah. And just hearing that, like, this is where he was, and in the midst of that depression, he made a choice that, like I remember you saying that at the funeral, which by the way, it, I, I couldn't believe you were speaking at the funeral. You preached the gospel. And uh, I mean, if anything, we proved that we could hang as a tab because not only did Bill preach the gospel, I'm up there crying and then you'd say something funny and I'd laugh and I'd cry and then I'd laugh. But at the same time, I'm changing my notes because it's like Bill Stone stealing my whole sermon because I'm supposed to preach. Yeah. So I, I just spoke a little thing and just tied it up in a bow at the end. But it was powerful. It was cathartic. And everyone's hurting. Everyone's in pain. You're in pain. Your wife, oh, can't even imagine. Um, there's utter devastation. But here's the difference because I'm, I'm bringing it back to the trail of Bill Stone's life is then – Everyone went home, went to the little, some people went to the luncheon, mm-hmm. so sorry. 
you get to go back to the house. Mm-hmm. You get to go back to the next day, mm-hmm. the next month. And I do remember saying, if you don't remember, I'm not offended, but I remember saying, this is going to hit you like a truck later. Like right now you're just numb. You're just doing what's the next thing. Well, we got to pick close. Well, we got to plan funeral. Well, we got mm-hmm. family coming. How are we going to pay for the, the, you know, this thing, you know, and, and then I got to deal with police and then I got to talk, see their report and get the stuff back. And, but then it stops and it's like, oh, take all the time you need. But then it's like, well, when are you coming back to work? Mm-hmm. Take all the time you need. Ariana needs to get in school. Mm-hmm. Talk about that just a little bit in the months or the weeks after the months. And now where's your faith? Because you put up a brave face. I saw you put up a brave face and use it as a gospel opportunity with all those community people. But I know your faith is hanging by a thread mm-hmm. at this point. Absolutely. Well, even before I get there, um, after that is when I was 100% just um, all in on the tab, the way that everybody stepped forward, surrounded us, loved on us. Same thing with the Kingsley community. To me, that was bizarre. Where mm-hmm. I come from, people don't do that. And, um, and I got to see the benefits of a small community and, uh, they loved us, loved on us in a, in a way that I never expected. And we truly, um, became part of the Kingsley family is the same as we did the, the tab family. And when I saw the way that, that the tab responded to that, um, and I could, and it was genuine, it was sincere. It's crazy when you go through something like this, you, you learn to recognize sincerity. You can have people come up to you and tell you, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear about that, but you can feel it. It's, it's more than just what they say. It's, it's, mm. it's how they say it. And, um, and everybody at the tab, they were, they were genuine. You know, they, they had compassion. They were truly sorry. And, um, so at that point, I was, I was all in like this, this is our home. Um, the tab family is, is our family and it would come to be, you know, play a vital role in, in, in me still being here today. But yeah, you have to move on. And, and the thing is, is you get a little, you get a little bitter, not a little bit, you get a lot bitter. And because everybody else gets to go on with life as usual and my life will never be the same. My life will never be life as usual ever again, even to this day. It's not life as usual because it's not the way that it should be in my mind. And um, after, you know, all of it, the dust settles. And yeah, you know, people hurt for a little while and then, you know, things just kind of fade away. Unless you're the parent, unless you're the sister, um, unless you're the uncle. And so we're trying to get back to life as usual. And then I still have a family to support. And I was in the midst of buying another piece of property um, that was adjacent to mine when all that happened. And I was right in the middle of it all. And and so that transaction went through. You know, I made good money and, and... and, and all that stuff, but 
um, my work was in the midst um, of a buyout. The owner was selling the company, and I didn't know what was going on. And he gave me some time off work, and then when I came back, he told me that he needed me to step out of the general manager position go back out in sales. Well, in our world, in our business, you don't go in sales in the winter because there's not any sales to be had. So I just lost my son, and now, in a way, I'm, I'm being demoted. And he tells me, Bill, it's not because of your performance. You're, you're amazing. You're great. Because, you know, truth be told, I, I built that office. I moved up here, and I did all the hiring. I did all the training. I did everything. I, I got that, that, that facility um, to where it is today. And so he's selling it, and so I get put back out in the sales when there's no, no money to be had. So, yeah, I had a savings, and, um, but I had a lot of bills. I had a nice home. I just put in a brand-new in-ground pool for the kids, and I bought a new, another property, and, and all of a sudden, um, you know, I'm going through my savings really, really fast. And now I'm worried about how am I going to pay my bills. And so I just lose my son. I'm worried about now am I going to make it through my bills. And so it's all this added pressure on me, and 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 I'll I'll be honest. Um, there were days when I I considered just taking my life so my wife could get the money, and then she wouldn't have to worry about finances at all. We'd be taken care of because you know I had a good insurance policy, and um, and I'm hurting anyway, you know, and um, and I want out. You know, there were there were many days where I I would pray to God, God, take me out, please. Um, I would say, you know, let me be somebody's hero. Let me die on behalf of somebody else. Let me be a hero. But, but really, it was cowardice. I, I went out of my pain is, is really what it comes down to. But let me go out in a way where people can't be mad at me that I went out. I don't want to do what Caden did. Um, but there are many days where that's all that's on my mind is I, I, want, I want out of this pain. And then I'm going into people's homes for a living. You know, five months later, of losing my son and I'm still just destroyed. I'm wrecked. I can't even think straight. And I'm going into people's homes and, and naturally one of the things they ask you about is your family. 90% of the time. And it comes up and I mean I'm it's difficult for me to to talk about and I'm and I'm crying in these people's homes and I'm falling apart and and I still have a, a job to do and I'm like, man, what what is going on here? Like how am I going to get through this? Then one day it hit me. It says, you know what, this is this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity to share my story with these people. If I'm gonna sit there and bawl and boohoo like a child in front of them, let it be for a purpose. So this is when I began to to use the loss of Caden um, in a way that's going to glorify God and, and, um, and when my time comes to, to take as many people as I can with me. And um, so I began to use that. And in Caden's letter, he wrote down, he gave us very specific instructions on, on the whole funeral and everything else. Uh, that's just who he was. He says, you know, I want to be cremated. Don't bury me spread my ashes out on some random cemetery. He goes, I don't even care where they are. He says, take my necklace, burn me with my necklace. 
I didn't do that. I kept his necklace and I wear it every single day. And, uh, and I wear it because it's a piece of him that's with me. I wear it because I want people to notice it because it, it's a conversation piece. Because there's, it's amazing how many people will notice, but, oh, I like that. That's cool. Oh, do you? Yeah, super unique cross. Yeah. yeah. And so it opens up that door for me to talk about why I'm wearing that cross. But it also gives me an opportunity to tell them that because of that cross and what it represents, someday I'm be I'm be reunited with my son. And uh, and it's incredible um, the opportunities that God has given me and the stories that I could tell um, about being in people's homes, being called out for me to look at their house, and then we end up talking about their faith or lack thereof. And um, Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking right now <clears throat> because it was – I can't remember, it was September, October, we started Fight Club. Or, sorry, that Fight Club, I followed through. Yeah, I want you to come to it. Hey, my brother's coming too. And I'd met you now. It's like, cool, bring it on. And uh, it was right down outside these doors. And if I remember right, you both came, but I think you walked out. No, I, I think you the left. First one. The very first one, he was gone because they actually had to go to a funeral. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a different one that yeah. you came and you said, I can't be in here right now, and you went out. Yeah. And you shared some of what was going through your mind mm-hmm. at that first Fight Club. But long story short, I don't want to scare guys away from the Fight Club, <laughs> the first Timothy Fight Club. But one of the things was there was a challenge for guys to look for an opportunity to, to insert Jesus into a conversation. Mm-hmm. And we had 12 guys, 10, 12 guys, and guys were like, uh, didn't do it this week you know and bill's like what are you talking about i've been doing this for months (laughs) like every night was another story Mm -hmm. and it was super encouraging you know because i think one of the things we try to remind guys of you don't have to have that pain to be that guy Mm -hmm. but it sure put you on display against your will Mm -hmm. i mean it it wasn't fun it's like i mean you're put together dude you're tough guy and now it's like i'm gonna ball on some podcast you know, I'm going to ball in some stra- stranger's living room, but that's part of the genuineness. And, and the fact that – or w- what's amazing to me is in the midst of your pain, because we started the staying late after Fight Club. Overtime. You had questions. And some of those questions, they're nobody's business, but they're personal questions. And, you know, you would make these, these statements in, that speak to the confusion and the chaos of grief. And one of them was – we were talking about heaven. And I remember you said, I've never heard anyone say this. He goes, someday when I'm going to see my son, which by the way, your son was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not judged by a moment. He's forever with Jesus right now. You're still pissed at him. And you said, when I see him, I'm going to punch him right in the mouth. Still going to. And then I'm going to hug his neck, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because he's your, he's your one and only son and you love him. So it's like this love, this anger, this grief, this rage, and it's all roiling at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we're all watching you on display at Fight Club. Your faith is growing deeper, but again, it's against your will because you had nothing else. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that accurate to say? It's like mm-hmm. there's nothing else to hang on to. You can't hang on to him. You know, you're, 
your wife's consumed in grief. You're consumed in grief. You got a daughter that's scarred for life. She doesn't know mm-hmm. what the, which end is up. There was only one rock you could hold on to. Yeah, I, I had two choices. One, I turn my back on him. I do that. I have no chance of ever seeing my son again. Or I run right at him, and I allow him to use me. Because one thing that I, that I've always said is, I do not want my son's death to be in vain. I need to make something of it. And while I'd love to take the the, the credit for just you know being strong and, no. and, and going and and um, you know and putting my faith on display, and I had to. I still I have to. Because I can't be I can't be passive with with my faith. I, I won't make it. I had to be aggressive. And I even had guys in Fight Club get mad at me, you know, because I'm, I couldn't sit stagnant and I was coming from a different place. So I'd openly, you know, challenge people to say, how, how are you sitting so stagnant? Like, what, 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 what are you waiting for? Get aggressive. Let's go. One of the best Fight Clubs we've ever had. You know, and, but guys yeah. would get mad. Yeah. They'd get mad at me. Yeah. And, um. Because they, you know, some people say, hey, not everybody is called to go out and, you know, and, and be aggressive with their faith. And you I'm think like, you think I want to do this? Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, I disagree. <laughs> and, um, but again, even now I, I have to do that or I won't make it. That's, that's just the truth. Um, I have a genuine relationship with God, uh, stronger than I ever have. But my pain doesn't go away, and um, it's a continuous battle. I mean, it's it's a daily battle where the enemy tries to tries to get in my head, and um, and he's good, he's really good, and uh, and and when I try to do it alone, that's when all the really bad thoughts come, and uh, and I and I just want it to go away. Um, that's 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 big right there. Because, and again, you just say stop and I won't. But I remember that that year being in Fight Club, that there were moments where, I mean, Adam, I'm getting to know Adam. I mean, we're, I think we're becoming friends. Like, I'm showing you who I am. I'm showing you where I struggle. Yours is obvious. Both of yours is on display. But there were times where the old Bill would be like start to push and you'd almost disappear from a text, from a call, you'd ghost us. And I, and he sold you out a bit. Not, I mean, but it was love. It was like, and that was the community thing. Again, bro, you need, you need bros. And, and then we'd see you come back around and then the time you were away. And it, it I, I don't even know if I'm describing it right. It's just like moments. It'd be a week, mm-hmm. be a couple weeks. I've just been real busy with work. And he'd be like, mm, I'm calling shenanigans. No, he's, he's on the struggle in this moment. Do you, do you feel, or do you, do you remember that time? And I don't remember if you shared with the whole group, you shared with me. There was, maybe it wasn't as pivotal as it is in my memory, but you described a very low, low, low point. You're in your living room, empty house. Mm. You're all by yourself. Mm-hmm. You're on the couch. Can mm-hmm. you go there? Sure. Um, it was in January and I know this because I, I, I wrote it down. Um, 
I started making a journal, if you will, of things that were happening in, in my life that were um, God moments. And this one, um, it's something that happened to me that has never happened in my entire life. I'm sitting in my living room and there's nobody home. And um, I'm, I'm moments away from taking my life. And I, I speak the words, God, where are you? This is it. Um, if you're real, why aren't you showing up? You know, and I remember in Fight Club, we were talking about, you know, uh, God interceding. And I said, I wish God would intercede in my pain. And I'm sitting in my living room and, um, and I'm crying out, God, you better step in because I'm checking out. And um, just as clear as day, hear his voice. I felt, I felt his physical presence. And I know people listening and be like, yeah, this is, no, this is real. And uh, because I used to think those stories were, were fake and made up too until I experienced it myself uh, for show, if you will. And um, but he said, Bill. I love you. I am here. I've got you. And uh and it was and it was so weird because th- this calm just came over me. And um and it shook me. It rocked me. It it, it it was it was weird. Like I was weirded out by it initially. And I'm like, "What? What? No, I'm I'm literally looking around the room." And, uh, but I physically felt his presence, never experienced anything like that in my life. And I said, okay, let's go. And, um, two weeks later, I'm in my shower. Now you have to, you have to remember, um, up until I was 40 years old, I literally had cried one time my entire life about something that was, that was sad. I, I, I was I didn't grow up like that. You don't cry. Where I grew, you you do not cry. You're a target. And um, I cried one time, and it was it was the day that my father um, died. It, it was at his at his funeral. Actually, it wasn't when he died. It was at his funeral mm-hmm. when they were closing the coffin, and I literally got sick. And um, And my, my, my father and I became close after I moved back to Michigan. He was in and out of my life for, for, for most of it as a child. And, and, um, but when I got close to him, um, when I moved back to Michigan, he got brain cancer and he died um, two weeks before my wedding on Father's Day. And uh, so, that, you know, I'm getting off track a little bit here. But, you know, so for, I never had that father-son relationship. And so for, for me and Caden, that man, that's all I, I I dreamt about that. Wanted kids at such a young age because I I just I want I knew I wanted to have a relationship that I never got to experience as a as a kid. And my father my father passed away, and a lot of people say, man, that's a terrible terrible story. You finally get to know your father, and he dies of brain cancer. And I said, well, at least I got to know him. Um, but I had cried one time, and that and that was it. Prior to uh, Caden passing away, and now, man, I 
I can watch an animated film and cry. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not used to that. Right. But I'm, I'm two weeks later, to get back to what I was talking about, I'm in the shower and I am absolutely bawling. I mean, uncontrollably, just letting loose. There's nobody home and I am just bawling. And I remember even I'm uncomfortable to myself. I'm like, what is happening right now? Because it was something that I had never, even even up to that point, um, I had not allowed myself just to let loose like that of just crying tears. Like I think there was as much water coming from my eyes as there was from the from the shower. I mean, I'm just bawling, and I'm like, "How are you a loving God? How are you a good God? Look at me." And again, another one of those moments where I clearly hear his voice, and he says, "Bill." I am a good God. I'm going to allow you to see your son for, the, for all of eternity. And I was like, Pfft. does it take the pain away? No, the pain was still there, but it, was, but it, it, it checked me. Mm-hmm. Would I rather see Caden for the temporary time on earth and never see him again or have the opportunity to see him for all of eternity? That's God's goodness. That's his promise. That's the reason why I fight. That's the reason why I'm still here is because of that promise. And three hours later, I kid you not, this is, this is a, a, a real story. If I read it, I'd think somebody was lying too. Three hours later, I go to a customer's house. Um, he asked me about my family. And you have to remember, I had just lost Caden five months prior. And it rocks him. And he's like, Bill, he's like... Uh, you know, I, I, I just lost my brother. But I couldn't imagine that. I could not imagine losing my son. He goes, hey, but just let me tell you something. He goes, uh, someday you're going to see your son for all of eternity. <laughs> Nobody's ever spoke those words to me a, d- a day in my life. I mean, there wasn't a reason to. But three hours later, and I, and I looked at him, I said, God just doubled down. He says, what do you mean? And I told him about my shower experience. And, and dude's like crying. Um, one week later, that same man calls me on the phone. He says, hey, Bill, this is so-and-so. He goes, hey, man, I, I just want to let you know that um, your story and meeting you had an incredible impact on my life. He goes, since I've met you and heard your story, he goes, I've prayed every day. He goes, I haven't done that in 20 years. Um, he goes, I, I want to thank you. He goes, you've made a difference in my life. And, you know, it, it's, it's stories like that. It's things like that, that God has put that, that opportunity there um, that has kept me going. Doesn't take the pain away. Does not take yeah. the pain away. Yeah. <clears throat> no, none of it ever takes the pain away. But you said it gave it some meaning. Yeah, it, it, gives, it, it gives it purpose because now, I, you know, I don't have to know. What happened after that? Um, the fact that it meant something to him to even call me a week later um, impacted me. Yeah. You know, so in each one, and I've got numerous. I mean, I've got endless stories like that of being in somebody's home where, where at the end of the day, I'm impacted by them just as much as they're impacted by me. And um, and and that gives me 
the will to continue to fight. You know, and, and you know, I, I I love my wife and I love my daughter. Um, I, I believe um, in God. Obviously, I have a strong faith. But guys, I'm telling you, man, when when the, when the pain sets in that much, it's just it consumes you, and and it takes it takes everything in me to keep going. And you talked about me isolating. I always think I can handle it. Same here. That's the way I've, that, that's the way I've been my thing. entire <laughs> life. Yeah. You know, I'm self-taught on almost everything I've ever done. And I've learned that I have to do for myself. And I've had to protect myself. And now as an adult, I'm, I'm no different. And I, and I do isolate. And I, I withdraw. And if I'm being completely honest, I don't know that I've ever spoken this. Um, especially in something like this, but that's why I'm here. It's very intentional. And it's because if I ever do something to myself, I don't want people to be too close to me. Because I know how much it hurts. So I intentionally withdraw. I think people are getting too close. And there's too much of an emotional attachment. Yeah. Because even though it's been five year, over five years, I still don't trust me enough that I know that I'm safe. And, uh, you know, it's like something that you like to say when you're driving down the road. Doesn't matter how far you get, you're six feet from the ditch. That's my life. And that's why I know it's so important to have people in my life that are going to check up on me, that are going to challenge me, that are going to um, not allow me to do those things. It's something that's very, very difficult for me to admit. I'd love to say that, uh, you know, my faith is strong enough that I never have to worry about that, but that's just not reality. But at the same time, I believe that... um, that it's designed that way. Because if I didn't hurt, then what would I do? Would I continue Fair point. to try and fulfill yeah. a purpose? So I, I have to constantly <clears throat> remind myself, Bill, um, the pain's there as a reminder to do something with it. It's like what uh, Herschel York said at the basics conference with the thorn. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it was, he said, uh, if I'm getting it right. Sorry, I thought you were looking at me like Absolutely. you wanted me to remember yeah, it. I've um, passed the ball to you. Yeah, he said something to the effect, this unbelievable preacher that we heard, I don't know if any of the guys shared it with you, but we were talking about Paul was given a thorn, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to keep him from becoming conceited. And he said, three, it says in the scripture, three times I asked God to take it away, but he did not. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Herschel made this observation. He said, have you ever thought that the very thing that you're begging God to take away, whatever it is, depression, loss, cancer, go right down the list. As you said, I think in our podcast on suffering, pain is pain is pain. He says, have you ever thought that that thorn, God has allowed that for your sanctification, that it's actually a gift? I can't imagine in any framework ever saying that your pain is a gift. Mm. Obviously, loss of Caden is not a gift, but in some weird way, he was also saying, you know, pain, pain is necessary for us to know we're alive. 
You know, pain sends us receptors of danger and all those types of things. You can make a sermon out of that. But that God would allow this for his good purpose, for a good in you. And, you know, just listening to you, and, and we're, we're honored that, that you would just go complete bare heart right here um, with, you know, some people you'll never even meet. But one of the things that I've watched in you is there's been this incredible passion for young people. Um, you've become a part of my children's lives. That's why you're Uncle Bill. I don't remember you being Uncle Bill before that except to your children, mm-hmm. Vincent and Chandler. But to how many <clears throat> students, and none of those students and are placed. Yeah. Well, and adults, yeah. right? That's my but, Uncle Bill. Yeah, but working at the TAB Youth Group, but not just there. Um, you guys started the RUC, which a lot of people still don't know what the RUC is. It's you know this awareness and benefit that we do that you started, you too, uh, that happens on Labor Day, where we just go for a walk with a, with a burden and we bear each other's burden. So whether it's through the rock or whether it's through students or you coming to talk to our athletic teams or speaking at Kingsley graduation, your influence among young people, I don't know of any single individual around here that has so many different communities. I know that guy. I've heard that guy. I know his story. And again, it's like you never asked to be on display. You're a private guy that doesn't want people in his business. You kept us at arm's length. And now it's like you've been thrust up on a stage where it's, it's like you're dying naked alone and everybody's watching. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are you going to do? Well, if I'm going to die up here naked alone, someone else died naked alone on a cross. His name was Christ, you know, and uh, it's your own kind of crucifixion. Yeah, I mean, getting involved in the in the youth program, <clears throat> um, I wanted to be able to do something for other people's children that I didn't have the opportunity to do for my own. And, um, you know, losing Caden and, and not being able to, to ever speak to him or, or help him with his struggles, um, I wanted to kind of make it my mission um, to help any other kids that were. And I put myself out there even at the at the funeral. I said, hey, if there's anybody out here that, you know, needs somebody to talk to, I'm more than willing to, to do that. And and there were. And it was incredible. And um and since then it's 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 you know, I've had so many of them that were um they were kind enough and gracious enough to to thank me for doing what I do and and I always tell them the same thing, you know, you do far more for me than I do for you. And I mean that because uh, they, they give me a reason to keep going and to keep pushing and um, and having the opportunity to speak in their life. And, uh, and many, many times just show them and tell them what not to do. You know, we've got other other leaders that can that can give them examples of what to do and I'm very open about that Benji Benji can tell you you know um he's I say, in your small group yeah, yeah he's in my small group and I say hey I can I can speak to what not to do all day long I said you guys have some tremendous um leaders in here that uh that can that can mentor and and, and show you how to do it the right way and 
and, uh, and, and I do that as well, but, um, but I had a different upbringing. I grew up different and, uh, and I made a lot of mistakes and, um, and most importantly, I know what it feels like to hurt. You know, I tell people I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a de- degree in psychiatry or anything else like that. But if there was a degree to be had, it would be in pain. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to struggle. And um, and I think the the fact that I am willing to be so open and raw, um, they connect with that, even though I'm old yeah. and I'm Uncle Bill. <laughs> uh, and I'm still blown away at times. Um, at, at how they, they listen to me and, 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 and look up to me and I, and I, I can't make sense of it. Um, the authenticity, man, I think there's just this reality when you're around uncle Bill, that that is exactly who uncle Bill is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and people are starving for it in this world. And I think it's just this, I think it's what's drawn me to you in my time here. And I think it's what draws so many more people to you. It's just this reality of like, this is who this guy is. And he, he means it when he says he loves me, when he says he's there for me, when he said it's, it's real. And I think that that's why we see. So I could, I mean, I could write a book of stories I've heard from students of, well, Bill said, well, uncle Bill told me sure, most of it starts that. with <laughs> uncle Bill told me to stop being an idiot yeah. and, then, no, and, and things like that. But I mean, I think about <clears throat> the, amount of conversations that have been had with, with our students that were struggling with the things we're, we're talked about on this podcast. And now those are the same kids that are leading the way um, because you led with authenticity because you said, you know what? I'm not going to waste my pain. It's a reality in my life. I have it. I might as well do something with it. Yeah. And uh, I think, man, just your uh, Chris Emery taught me this um, a long time ago before I ever was in Michigan. He said, in the void of new direction, all we have is faithfulness. And it's just this thing of like, we're going to go in a new direction. My life isn't ever going to be as usual. I have no idea what is going to come of this, but I'm going to be faithful to the fact that there's a God in heaven that loves me, that's mm-hmm. told me that. And I'm going to make sure people know that. And I think, man, your life is just a picture of yes. Like when I think about the phrase, say yes to Jesus, like mm-hmm. give, give God your unreserved, unconditional yes. I, I think that's what I see from your life. I, I think that's what I've experienced from your life. I, I mean, I've had conversations with you on drives to the UP to not kill any deer, but that are just <laughs> like, that's why I came. I don't even remember what we said. But I just remember getting out of the truck and I was like, I'm going to be a better guy today because of that conversation. There are things you've taught me that's like, you know, I, I'm going to be able to love my wife better because I know Bill and because Uncle Bill's gotten on to me about crap and told me it could be an idiot. And I, it's yeah. just those little things, man, that I just think I've been sitting here quietly this whole podcast because I think I've just been flooded with the fact that I've known you for three years. And, dude, you... I don't know anybody like you, man. The Jesus in you, bro, is incredible. Your faithfulness to him, to put him on display in the midst of difficulty, man, there's nothing like it. I've never, I, we go everywhere. We talk to Christian schools, universities, the professors that know all the answers, that have read all the books. 
I've never met anybody willing to say yes to Jesus like you, bro. So thank you. Thank I appreciate you, that, man. There's a there's a spot in at, at the end of Galatians. It's like one of the last two verses. And Paul starts off the verse and he says, from now on. Mm. And then he continues on. Um, when I, we, we just preached through that. Um, when I was studying that, when I read that from now on, I immediately thought of you. Mm. Because I felt like there was a moment in your life where you, you said, from now on, I'm going to do this. And you, you just talked about that a few minutes ago. And, and in, t- it, in your words, it's not done perfectly. Um, you have a, like going back to you serving in the youth group, you have this beautiful ability, not just to connect with students, but your ability to be open and honest and share with them while also not oversharing. Um, it's pro. It's a masterclass, it, bro. It is. I wish um, every person that leads a small group of students could watch Bill. Yeah. Um, but there's just beautiful things that ha- that happens with with you and your and your your students um, that God is using. And I just I think about that from now on statement uh, that we we're talking through last night, and it's just I wish wish more of us would, could have that from now on moment in our life where we say from now on, it's going <coughs> to be Jesus from now on. It's going to be hard and I'm going to, it's going to rock me at times and I'm not going to do it perfectly and it's going to be difficult and, um, I'm going to struggle and I may fail at times, but I'm going to keep on saying from now on and that, that from now on statement, man, it just, like you said, it's that saying yes to Jesus over and over and over again when it's difficult. I remember asking you to preach, uh, and to have youth for the first time and you're like I have a video absolutely not I yep. watched the videos outstanding um, but but you did it anyway um you know being asked to speak at Kingsley's uh graduation absolutely not but I'm gonna do it anyway he says um, no but he never means it he's yeah. just like the yeah. Grinch yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it I'm not um, going okay but what yeah. would I wear yeah <laughs> um, I mean I always want to find a way to get out of it because yeah. it's um it's not something I enjoy. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. this is why you said you didn't sleep last night. No, I didn't want to do this. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. And, um, it's, but the gift goes on. Yeah. 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 The gift of Christ, not the gift of the loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the, even, even what you're talking about with the from, with the from now or from now on, and you're talking about saying yes, is you talked about, you had a choice to either go away from him or say, okay, I'm all in on this but that's a continual choice. Yeah. But that's no different than any of us. Mm-hmm. It should be. It should yeah. be. Because, you know, this is the vernacular we use when we say, you know, I mean, there's some weekends, it's like sometimes you just suit up, shut up, and show up. Mm-hmm. You know, you just... Whose car are we going to take? Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, where else... It, somebody said this to me. Um, I, I won't bore bore you with the whole story, but he was a dude, he's been on a journey. I don't even know if you listen to the podcast. His story is his story. But during an opening song at church, um, I look, or, you know, I saw him as I'm walking down to my spot. I'm like, hey, you know, during the sing, I'm like, you're still here. And he goes, where else would I be? He goes, where else am I going to go? And I stopped him and I said, you know, the disciples said that to Jesus one time when he said some really hard things 
and all the crowds left. And uh, he said, will you leave me too? Because the call to follow Christ isn't easy, and it's not rainbows and unicorns. And I think that's the authenticity you're speaking of. We're not giving them rainbows and unicorns. This is, this is the reals. Mm-hmm. And you experience it more, you too, more than this side of the table. I mean, we've got our own things. But essentially, that's what you said is, you know, Jesus says to these guys, are, are you going to leave me too? And was, I think it was Peter, one, one of them says, Lord, to who else, to who else will we go? Mm-hmm. You have the very words of eternal life. And, uh, and that's the choice. Mm-hmm. Where else do I go? This yeah. is all I got. It reminds me of, a of, a, a customer that I met with and, um, and he had asked me, uh, about my, about my necklace and, and, and what I'm, what I gathered is he, he's not a man of faith. And, um, just based on his comment that he made to me when I told him about my son, he goes, that's absolutely terrible. And, um, and I remember telling him, you know, well, it's, it's my faith that it gets me, gets me through this. And he goes, I don't know how you can do that. That's a pretty incredible thing. And I said, what would you suggest? (laughs) (laughs) And I got what you're doing right now. Boom. Blank stare. And, uh, and I just kind of left it there. And uh, I have no idea what happened after that. Sowing seeds, man. But, um, but yeah, I mean, what else? What else would I do to get me through? Because I wouldn't get through it. I can I can assure you. Because even with it, it's a fight, man. Yeah. And and even during that time, I mean, life life just continued to throw, you know, uh, obstacles and. And and in more pain in my direction, and you know this is not a woe is me, but it, it's it's a it's a part of my story. I Absolutely. mean, even even after trying to make it through that, um, I'm in my house one morning and I'm letting the dog out and I start to feel nauseous, and I'm like, I don't feel too good. I start to walk to the bathroom and I don't make it. Boom! My wife hears a boom. It's me laying on my face on the hardwood floor and I'm not breathing and, um, and I'm in a pool of blood. And this is approximately two years after we lost Caden, right when COVID started and, and I, I start breathing and I come to, and, and my wife's standing over the top of me screaming, you can't die on me. You can't die on me. And she's already called 911 and, and, um, she said, I looked up at her and I just said, I broke my orbital bone. And uh, because I could feel it, I could feel that something was wrong with my face. That's what she said. She goes, all you had to say was, I broke my orbital bone. And I know for a fact you couldn't point to that on a skeleton. (laughs) I I felt it. Like I I knew something was wrong with my face. Yeah. And you passed out, smashed your face. I passed out, smashed my face. Got surgeries. Cut open my eye. But I... Long story short, I shattered my face. Well, that was the doctor came in. I remember, I remember, I, I mean, I had a severe concussion, but I remember kind of coming to, and Adam's in the room. I'm like, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> Last I, person you want to see in that Where else would I be? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember trying to get my wife just to, I was like, just, I'm in my boxers. I'm like, just give me a t-shirt and take me. You know, I don't want to go to the hospital, you know, in an ambulance, you know, it's going to cost me money. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, I already called them. I am not, she's like, I am not taking you. And, um, 
So we get to the hospital and the doctor says, well, Bill, you destroyed your face. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> well, what it meant was I had to have plastic surgery and uh, they remove my eye. They go down through my eye and um, they put a plate across my nose and my cheekbone, a plate across my cheekbone here to the side of my head. They cut the roof of my mouth, peel my face all the way open, put a plate across here and then rebuild my orbital. Uh, because I was right. I broke, <laughs> I broke my orbital bone. I remember that time. I do man. too. And as if he that. wasn't ugly enough. Uh, no, dude. That's I know, right? I remember that. Good thing <laughs> that I was already is, married. That is, that's a definition of in the hits, just keep on coming. Yeah. yeah but in, in, um, and I, I tell that story for this reason. Um, it was miserable, but it was nothing. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Comparatively speaking, yeah. Yeah. In comparison to losing my son, the pain, the physical pain of that was nothing. It made it a breeze to get through. It wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy it. Um, You know, to this day, I have no feeling in most of my face on this side. Um, And there was a chance I was going to be blind, 50-50 chance I was going to be blind in this eye and and I can see. Um, So it, it turned out okay. One of the worst parts about it was they they sewed the bottom part of my eye to the top of my eyelid, and the swelling was so big, the stitches were stabbing me in my eye, and there's nothing I could do. So it's literally like somebody taking a needle and just poking it in your eye, and you just take it <laughs> and don't move your eye because then it just scrapes, <laughs> you know. But oh, that experience, um, I felt I felt worse for my wife. You know, we lost our son, and then there I was laying, and mm-hmm. she's thinking. Trauma, man. Now he's going to die on me too. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and, and there were so many other things, just like the he mentioned, I missed the first fight club because I was at a funeral. A friend of ours downstate, their daughter took her life the same way Caden did. And this was a mere couple of weeks couple after. Weeks, yeah. Now we're at another funeral, which is incredibly hard to do, of a child that was one year older than Caden um, for the same thing. And then had another friend whose daughter died of cancer. And it's like, it just, like the blows just kept coming. And, um, and there, there was another suicide at Kingsley after Caden. And we went to that to try and be comforting. And, um, but there were so many things that just, it just snowballed. I was like, God, how, how much? Yeah. How much can I take? And, um, you know, I remember even um, reading Job, the book of Job. And that helped me actually because it, it said, "Man, look, look, look at this! What this man went through, and maintained his faith, and even even more so at the end. And it was it was incredible to me. Like, how do you do that? And you know, some people said Bill's like the modern day Job right now. And then I read his story, and I'm like, no, nowhere close. But I still, I still feel like nobody's ever hurt as much as I hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah." It, like it, it sounds illogical, but as much as I heard, as much as I've, yeah. the pain that I've experienced, I was like, there's no way that somebody could have, could hurt this much and just, and, and go on. Right. And, um, and deep down, I, th- I, th- I think I know that like my, my wife hurt just as much as me and other people who have lost children, but in, in the midst of it, man, it truly feels right. like, how can anybody hurt I this I think you said it. It's, it's, your pain is your pain is your pain. Mm-hmm. And we even saw that in that fight club. So to the person who's listening, that's like, you've been struggling, maybe you've been a little bit encouraged, but then you're over here going, well, I'm not, <clears throat> your pain is your pain. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And 
you know, there was, there was a, which, which validates it is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying to validate pain yeah. you know, to finish that thought. But while you were talking about, um, you know, all these things, the, the, the movie, or there's a movie that comes to my mind. I know you love it when I bring up movies because mm-hmm. you don't think, and no one watches as many mo- movies as Tab Staff <laughs> does. But there's a classic from the day, Matrix. In the Matrix, um, there's this moment where uh, the main character, Neo, uh, he's living his life. Everything's good. He's a computer programmer, da-da-da-da-da. And, but there's no purpose and there's no meaning and he's aware of something. And then he's invited at the crux of the thing to take the green pill or the red pill. And um, one, he can go back to life as it was. Or the other was to see the reality. The reality of what the world in that movie really was. And it was a life full of pain. But it was real. The previous or the, or the or to take the other pill would have to live in this false reality of everything is good because the fact is pain's always been there. The pain has always been there. Losing Caden, in my mind, has brought it to the surface and also made you more aware of other people's pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had made the comment in the middle of the funeral week because I was, I was meeting with you. I was meeting with you and Melissa and you made this comment of how uncomfortable you were. I don't even know if you remember saying it. You made a comment to me that said, I'm the guy in moments like this that is the write the check, help out guy. And then, I, and then I'm you know, just anonymous and then I get out and I feel good about stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not used to being on the receiving end mm-hmm. I do of that. all yeah. this. And somehow... That's given you this soft heart that can cry, this soft heart that sees the kid that no one sees and has a minute for that kid or an hour or stays in a dorm with them, even though they don't know how to change their socks, <laughs> right? We won't go into that story to protect the innocent. <laughs> Britain students. Yeah. Was one of Brit- <laughs> but, on, buddy? but, um, he's picking on me. He's picking a stop. <laughs> that is a legend story. <laughs> but. <Ew. laughs> What would you say to the person? <laughs> this is serious, man. That story's made up. So yeah, that story's made up. What would you say to the person who's listening that is in the depths of depression? Because you're not the only person sitting at this table that struggle with depression. Yeah. So first thing I would say is... Um, or thoughts of suicide. Yeah. Don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, my, when I isolate, when I withdraw, naturally that's when I get in the most trouble. When I stay busy and, and I'm actively around people and in conver- even in conversation with people, because it's amazing what a text message could do. Because I know there were days where I've sent you guys text messages to say, hey, I'm hurting today. I'm struggling. And that was my way of saying, um, I'm in trouble. And, um, but I recognized it. And I knew if I didn't do some, some type of contact, reaching out to somebody just to get it off my chest so they know. And it's amazing how much that helps. Mm. It doesn't sound like much, but it is because it's gotten me through many, many a day. Um, and it's not natural for me. I would prefer to go out in the woods and never see another human being the rest of my life. But that's not what God asks of me. He specifically says, do it in community. And that's the reason why. 
none of us are strong enough on our own. None of us. And, um, but in terms of the dealing with the, the depression, um, there's typically not really anything that's going to necessarily numb the pain. And that's what everybody looks for. How do I numb this pain? Uh, that's not the right approach. It's just, um, how do you deal with it? And the answer is you deal with it through faith and leaning on God and with a brotherhood. If you're, if you're a dude or a sisterhood, if you're, if you're a lady, but you absolutely have to do it with a community. You know, there, there are times when, um, you know, there are you guys sitting at this table, um, have literally saved my life. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not stuff that I'm proud of, but it's not stuff that I'm going to, that I'm going to run away from. Um, but without it, I wouldn't be here. And that's not cliche. And, uh, I remember there was a time where, um, I left my home and I had bad intentions and, um, you guys, you guys sought me out and you found me and I was at a hotel and, uh, I'm in the room and I'm preparing. And, uh, and the only reason why it took me that long is because the guilt that I had of the person that works at the hotel that was going to have to find me. Uh, because I know those visuals and what they do to people. They haunt people for their life, for the rest of their life. So I was trying to figure out how can I do this in a way that won't be traumatizing to the person that finds me. And in the midst of that, all of a sudden I get a knock at the door. And I walk over there. And it's you too. And when I when I opened the door, I had immediately had two feelings. One is um, they're going to stop me, and second is I'm glad they showed up because I don't really want to die. I just don't want to hurt. But because of the community, because of I had people who care about me and love me, and as soon as they found out, hey, something's going down and it's not right, let's go find him. And if I didn't have you guys in my life, that wouldn't have happened. And uh, there have been far too many moments that I'm, that I'm not proud of where I was mere moments away, but God always finds a way to step in. He intercedes. And, um, you know, there was a time that I was, I was driving home from work because this isn't, it isn't just me at this time, at this point, it's, it's my wife and my daughter. We're all struggling. And there are many days I, I drive home and I pull up in my driveway and I'm not even man enough to just to go walk through the door. I'll sit out there for an hour waiting to see movement in my home. Because I was afraid of what I was going to walk into when I walked in the door. Because I knew the condition and the mental state of my wife and my daughter. And I'm driving home from work and I call my wife and said, hey, let's, let's meet for dinner. And she says, oh, that's, a, that's okay. You, you just, just stop and get yourself something. I'm, I'm not hungry. Okay. 
And uh, I don't know. I just, I, there's just something. Bill, call her back. Call her back. Call her back. I say, hey, are you, you sure you don't want to go? Like, just let's just go get some dinner. Let's just meet up and, and you know, you can get out of the house and, and uh, just grab a bite to eat. No, it's okay. It's, you know, you, you can go. I called back a third time and said, honey, just meet me for dinner. Okay. That night she reveals to me that she had her pistol in her hand. She was prepared in her life right there. But something told me, I don't, that was a God moment. I never really done that. If I asked her to join for dinner, she didn't want to go, I'd get stopped and get something. But that day was different. I, I knew God was in, Bill called her back. And it took the third call. And then she told me that night, you were going to come home and find me. But I didn't. Because God interceded. And, uh, and my wife's very, very open too that um, uh, it's still hard for her. And there are still days that she struggles. And the fact that me and my wife and my daughter are all still here is absolute miracle. Absolute miracle. You know, I, I, don't, I won't speak on, my, on behalf of my daughter. Um, I'll honor her wishes. Um, but, it's, man, it's been a fight for our family yeah. and the, the dynamic of relationships. And I understand now why the, the divorce rate of, of marriages is so high when losing a child. And um, I, I know I've said this before to you that um, the only way you'll actually know how much you love your child is if you lose them. You know you love your child. I know I, I love my, my son and my daughter, but you, you don't know until you lose them how much you love. So I hope people never find out how much they, that they love their kid because that means they lost them. Um, but it, it's... it's uh, it's taken the community, man, honestly, uh, to get through this. You know, it, it's faith is, is, is amazing and it gives, gives me purpose. But there's a reason why God says do it in community. Don't do faith alone because he knows that in those moments you, on your own, you're weak. And there have been many, many days where I, where I was weak, but he stepped in and made sure that uh, there were people around that could, that could help me, you know. Um, but again, it's just uh, you, you have to make sure you have people around you. There's no excuse. If you don't do that, then you, don't, you, don't, you truly don't care about getting help. Uh, in, in my mind, if you're not doing that, if you're not doing it in a community, you're giving up. That's your way of saying... I'm not fighting anymore. And if you're somebody who knows somebody like that, I think it's your responsibility to know that and to continue to step in. Because if you guys didn't do that for me, I wouldn't be here. You know, and, and um, you guys have been an integral part of, of my survival. And that fight club was, um, was incredible, truly incredible. I never wanted to go. Every day, I wanted to find a way to get out of it. And then when I got there, and man, I feel so much better. Um, and, it, and it challenged me. Even in a time where I was broken, 
it challenged me to be a better man. And, um, and I'm forever better for it. You know, and the thing is, if you were to ask me tomorrow if I want to be at a fight club, I'd be like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been there, done that. Uh, <laughs> I'm right first, Timothy. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but, yeah. That's a common theme. Yeah. 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 If it means anything, uh, you know, it's the same thing you tell students come to you. I feel like, again, God put you on display to teach me, to teach us. Um, how to be better men, how to be better fathers, how to be, for me, a better husband. Um, I won't go into all those details, but um, what is what is one thing you would say to the TAB audience that you have learned about God? If there's one thing, or what are the first things that comes to your mind? First thing that come to my mind is um, I had a thought a couple of years ago, and um, that truly rocked me because I know the pain of losing Caden. And what I would say is, and I know it's true, if God loves me as much as I love Caden, if He cares about me that much. There's nothing that he wouldn't do for my best interest because that's why I feel about Caden my daughter uh, if he truly loves me that much and it says he does so I believe he does man that's a deep love and and I never could have understand it for me without losing Caden uh, does it mean that you know, if I could do it all over again, that that's what I want for my life. Absolutely not. You know, there, there's no amount of good that can happen out of this to where I, I could honestly yeah. say, oh, that was worth it. No. It's just, no. you can't, you can't speak those words. It's yeah. not, it's not going to be worth it till you see the Lord face to face. Right. But I, I know how much has happened um, because of this. And man, it's, it's incredible. And it's all because of opportunities that he's presented. But if you don't say yes to them, then it never happens. Yeah. You know, I, I, I never wanted to do an interview on the news about suicide awareness right after losing my son. I didn't want to do that. I never wanted to speak at Foundry. I never wanted to speak at a funeral. I never wanted to speak, do a commencement speech. You know, I, I never wanted to do it. I never wanted to sit here on this podcast. <laughs> right? And that's the honest truth. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I never want to speak at the Ruck. You know, that, that Adam started up and um, all those things are painful. They're miserable. The ruck, as much as I love, it's the worst day of my, it's the worst day of the year for me every single year. Because it hurts. And I have to talk about it and I have to cry about, you know, every single time I speak, I cry. That's not comfortable. Even though I've done it a bunch of times now, it's not comfortable. But what if I don't do it? What opportunity am I missing out on? What difference in somebody's life did I just miss? That's a domino. Because whatever I, whatever I have to offer in that moment, well, that's something that they'll have to offer later. And if we don't do that, then that, then that never happens. The domino falls. And it ends 
So um, as hard as it is, tab, um, don't think about it. Just say yes. <laughs> because I say yes, but then I think about it. But I already said yeah. yes. Oh, that's good. I already committed. I might steal that one. <laughs> I already committed. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I'm going to feel horrible if I back out. Now I've tried to find every reason. <laughs> I tried to get you guys to cancel a million times today. <laughs> so it's snowing out. I said, Matt guys, listen, almost something didn't comes up, I understand. <laughs> we tried. Just, I said yes, but you guys bailed. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fair. But, yeah. uh, but no, I mean, it's, uh, the beauty is, uh, I'm still here and I fight on. Mm. And, um, and it's because of you guys and, and my faith, obviously, but, uh, but again, the faith is the start of it. That's where it begins. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of people, it just, it starts and stops there. Uh, but again, you, you got to have a community and there, and there should be some emotion behind it. Mm. If there is no emotion in your relationship with Christ, then you might want to examine it a little bit more. Mm. You know, good. because I see people. Um, yeah, just passionless. Yeah, believe in God, whatever. Yeah. And, but on the flip do. side of that, I see people... Um, you know, that have been examples to me, like I'll, I'll see Britain and, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll watch, I'm not, I'm not a put my hands up in the air kind of guy. Um, but he is. And when I see it, man, it's beautiful. You know, there are some people I don't think it's so beautiful. Yeah. Because you're not sure it's real. Right. That's fair. Bill's going to tell like it is. I, people. I, I, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. And that's why I'll be surprised if they air this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when I see it, man, it, it's, it does something in, in me to see that. Because it's genuine and it's cool and I love it, and um, and the, there have been people along the way that have that have done things that stick with me. And and John, one of them is you. And uh, your car broke down, and um, Melissa was driving into town. She said, "Hey, I just went past John. He's broke down on the side of the road." I said, "Where at?" She goes, "You know, right right by the the big curve, right by the S curves." Yeah. Yep. And I says, "Okay, I'm literally two minutes from there." I come pulling up, dude's car smoking. This <laughs> is total. <laughs> he's old sitting Jeep. there and he's on his phone and I, I pull up and I come walking up to his window and he just smiles at me. I'm like, what are you smiling for, dude? Car's on fire. <laughs> you know, but, but that stuck with me to this day. Like, do, do you know how I would handle that? He thought he was out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> it was smoking. I knew something was up. I knew it was done for. Yeah, and, but, yeah. but that has... That has that has stuck with me. Like, man, that's that's how a man should handle that. Like, he's like, it's a car, you know. It's and now internally, I'm sure he was on fire, like his car was, <laughs> right? <laughs> Smoking. <Yeah. laughs> but but what's important was what was on display. Yeah. And I said, bro, we'll get you a car. Let me call Adam. He's got an extra car that he's leasing. Just run up the miles on that. He'll pay for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I drove that all summer. Yeah. <laughs> So called Adam, said, hey, bro, yeah. John needs a car. Okay. Seriously, yeah. I had a car that day. Yeah. And it was the community coming through this amount of pain. Yeah. Not but a lot of something pain. Something so, yeah. Yeah. so simple that has stuck with me this, this entire time. Like, hey, that's, that's how you put your faith on display. Mm. You know, for me, even to this day, um, my emotions always typically come out in anger. Mm. But now being able to be emotional and, and cry about things, it's a release for me. It's a blessing. I believe God softened me in, because before it was uh, my emotions only came out in anger. Yeah. 
there's pain, I'm going to fight. Yeah. No matter, no matter what it is, it's coming this out This is in something anger. that you can't fight. You can't rage against it enough. It's done. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So I just, I just want to say, you know, thank you to all three of you. Um, thank you. You guys have uh, been a tremendous blessing to me, and, and, um, and, I, and I mean it when I say that I, I couldn't have done it without you. And uh, you've been there through thick and thin, and, um, you know, there are a million more things that I could talk about, but I know this podcast has been going on a long time. <laughs> it's okay. So, there hasn't been one deep sigh from our producer. There yeah, usually is. He's locked in. Maybe he starts yeah. giving us the... There have been times we hadn't even made it to the intro and I get one of those. <laughs> yeah, <so>. exactly. <laughs> no, hey. Thanks, um, Benji. So we that's a mad result. Yeah. So you said there's a million more things. Does this mean that Bill's saying he'd be on the podcast again? Maybe not talk about this subject. Maybe about the complaint department. It's a new department yeah. you started yeah. at the yeah. tab. Would you be willing to talk yeah. about the complaint department? We appreciate you serving in that way. Oh, yeah. I love that department. <laughs> <laughs> when people have complaints. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a trick move because all yeah. of Bill's complaints Bill just, just go to himself. About the <laughs> Bill just stares at hey, them. But yeah. here's the beauty is they get resolved pretty quick. <laughs> yes, they do. Since you've started the complaint department, uh, uh, complaints have dropped 99%. 99. 99% yeah. easily. Well, that's well, efficiency. For some people now, there's a face to the name. Some people just probably heard the <laughs> right. name. Now they see a face. Oh, people know. They thought oh, you were a figure of our imagination. Yeah. This right. Uncle Bill. Yeah. Who are these guys right. talking? Is that yeah. Uncle Sam? Yeah. 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 I want you. Yeah. So. Love it. Did we get, would Bill be on the podcast again? For what reason? I don't know. We'll talk about He's going to say no right now, but he'll say yes some other day. Yeah. I just cried 10 times. How many just do you give want? The answer yes. is yes. And the he'll answer think about is yes, later. and then you'll yeah. think about it later. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah absolutely. We might need to get Bill on here to help us interview some other people. They wouldn't stay long. We could get you to interview Benjamin. You know, this is the honest to God's truth. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, dealing with teenagers is they're so much tougher than adults. Oh, yeah. Mm. Honestly. Yep. The the youth they love my honesty, my authenticity. Adults not so much. Mm-hmm. When I'm honest with adults, eh, they don't love me as much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming back. They're not as willing to listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um but and it's absolutely true. That uh, is true. Uh, adults are so sensitive. <laughs> my favorite moment. I just have a new bill moment. We were playing basketball at a church that I won't name because I don't want to throw shade, but we were playing a pickup basketball during <laughs> the winter. <laughs> And uh, Bill was on the opposite team of me, and I was on a team with some guys I'd never met before. And Bill was being himself, just playing basketball, telling stories, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Bill's talking crap to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we lose. And uh, the guys are sitting next to me on the bench, and we're kind of working through what just happened to us as a team. And then one of the guys goes, but did you hear, man? Because they didn't know I knew Bill. Like, yeah, when I said something to that guy, though, he stopped talking. And I said, what'd you say? And he goes, when I said something to that guy, he stopped talking to me. I said, he must not have heard you because I promise he didn't stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't do that a whole lot anymore. You know, back back in the day, you know, I could back up you know, my talk, but my body's falling apart. So. And then Dylan was like, hey, guys, I just don't know if we're going to be able to play basketball really anymore. <laughs> you guys I got, got kicked, kicked out. out. <laughs> I actually like that story. Now. People, people yeah. don't like the truth. They don't uh, like love the it, truth. Love it, love it, love it. Adam, anything? No, man. Um, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks uh, for being you. Yeah. Thanks for- uh, Don't ever change. For always being there for me, too. Um, you've been somebody I've looked up to my whole life. And uh, yeah, I owe a lot to you. And uh, my family does. And just appreciate you a lot. So. Yeah. I appreciate that, bro. 
No, I love you too. Feelings still are still bald man. and ugly, but <laughs> no, <laughs> there man. it was. Love you. Dude, oh, man. I remember, <laughs> and I don't remember if it was that first Fight Club year, but one of the cool things was, which is to be honest, I mean, since you've been so raw, like one of the reasons I started Fight Club, or the very first Fight Club, at least at the tab, was here I, I was in isolation, and it was like I need to know some dudes, um, that can drag me out of a gutter. That's not how I put it, but, you know, if I take up with donkeys and midgets in Bangkok, who's going to cross the world to drag me back, you know? And so a lot of it's for me, but I do remember a moment saying to you guys, um, uh, this is before I actually even, well, I'd met Britain. I'd already offended Britain from the stage, but I, we, we hadn't invited him to come out to be a part of it. But I said, you know, through all of this, I felt like, like you two guys have become two of my closest friends. And you checked me. You were like, what? And and it was classic Bill, which has made me love him even more. You're just saying that because you have to, because you're the and it's like, dude, I felt like, you know, that line in, um, what's that movie? Tombstone, Doc, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, someone says, "Why are you doing this, Doc?" And and he goes, "Because Wyatt Earp is my friend." And uh, he said, "I got a lot of friends." And Doc says, "I don't." Mm-hmm. And uh Maybe my life is like in my own head. It's like a movie. But that's a sad thing to say about a guy. He doesn't have a friend, any friends, people that he could count on to come see him at the S-curves or, you know, when his brother's in need to show up the way you have always been for one another because you're real brothers. But we get to be brothers in Christ, and I love you both. I love all three of you, even though you're leaving me. (laughs) That's all right. I still love you, bro. Almost made it. (laughs) I still love you. Is there a road trip going to Tulsa? The three of us. That's a long drive. Okay, is it going to be a flight? Or Adam, would have, to, Adam yeah. would have to pee 15 Let, times. Fly. Oh, yeah, we've got to fly. <laughs> because he'll be yeah. hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. He said bathroom. I said, not today, <laughs> big dog. Here you go. Uh, here you go. Stand up and walk out of here, uh, but Bill's it's crying. I can't. <laughs> Love it. Hey, hey uh, listen. Uh, I wasn't the only one who cried in this thing. Oh, come on. I saw yeah. tears out of all oh, you guys. Some tears. You guys are wimps. Maybe not Benji. Did we get you? Uh, next time uh, yeah. love it. hey uh tab family we appreciate you um this was fun this sucked um but it was I think, a good kind of suck it uh, suck you have to yeah. embrace i think it, i think it worked hey i think so. you should share this podcast we haven't said that in a while yeah like, this is one we've share. had someone but this is one to share with somebody absolutely somebody's yeah. on the struggle bus and i'm not saying this to boost the ratings it's all about this word it needs to have meaning needs to have purpose yeah. and so if yeah. this pain is going to sit here. It might as well go out. Absolutely. Yeah. Share, subscribe, like, and uh, talk keep to saying somebody. Yes. Yeah. Talk to somebody. Yeah. Until next time, Tab Family, this is Adam, Bill, John, Benji, and Britton signing off. Mm-hmm.